0: Welcome to The Thirst. I'm April. And I'm Steph. This is a podcast about pop culture. On it, we talk about movies. No, I was going to say films. TV. Music. Books. Podcasts. Celebrities. Harrison Ford. Goss. Goss. Hot goss. <laughs> Hot goss. Hot goss. Um, you can find us online on Twitter at The Thirst. Soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. iTunes, you just search for The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod. You we can know. email us your thoughts, feelings, opinions, TheThirstPod at gmail.com. And we also have a tumblr which Steph again doesn't exist i haven't updated it in ages <laughs> so it probably doesn't <laughs> exist really it's a fairly redundant um tumblr. it's the third um we haven't recorded for a while because we have been away i haven't recorded in ages we did our ama q and a What's an AMA? Ask me anything. That's the one. You still I still don't forget know. every time. You still yeah, don't that know. was good fun. I enjoyed. It was that. good fun. Thank Thanks. you for everyone who listened and also sent us their questions. Had um, lots of very important questions about important topics, pressing issues. Yeah. Um, this is episode number nine as well. It's pretty exciting. Um, are there any films that have the nine in the title? There was that really awful um, film with called Dan- Nine. Nine. Daniel Day Lewis. The one? Yes. The cartoon. It's not a cartoon. No, there is a film called Nine that is a cartoon. I'm thinking nine. of the one that's got Daniel Day Lewis and loads of women in it. No, that's not the one
1: with the cartoon. That's no, like they're two
0: separate things. Okay, got you. <laughs> I just want to say nine... Daniel Day Lewis repeatedly. Nine. No, nine song. That was that weird film that had sex.
1: Whole it? nine yards. Whole nine yards. Great. Whole that we've gone the whole nine yards
0: the on whole, this podcast. Who is it, is Chandler <sighs> from Friends in that? Yes, great. And Chris yes. yes, exceptional. Great film. Watch that next time. Great call. Cool. Um, we haven't got any corrections because we did Q and As and all of our answers were obviously right. Completely correct. One thousand percent. Exactly how I feel. <laughs> so about everything Niall is the most dateable
1: member of One Direction he really is we did have verification Yeah,
0: from Vaughn Vaughn is expert. here Vaughn is
1: here in the room say hello hello too quiet but I reckon she might pipe up, up throughout we get our next podcast about well amongst other things the one that we do that will be post Harry Styles will involve Vaughn will involve Vaughn so that will be nice we are on a countdown now yeah an you, actual How less many days than a month. is it? Shall I check my countdown? Check. April's going to
0: check her um, very
1: important countdown
0: timer. It so. has got really important things in it, like I'm seeing Hamilton in however many days, 178 days. In case anyone was wondering, is that 178 days? Yeah, um, it's 37 days since I saw Interpol. Apparently, oh, it 20... does backward counting. Yeah, as well. it counts past events. 22 days, seven hours, and 34 minutes. Fuck. Not Uh, not that we're counting. Not that that
1: we're we're not counting at all. That episode will involve Vaughn, so we're very excited about that. And screaming, so brilliant. Cool. So, on to news. I mean, there's been a lot of news since we last recorded a sort of a proper podcast. Mm -hmm. We've picked out just a few things from this past kind of week. First up, uh, Marilyn Manson uh, is currently performing um, his, uh, hang on. Marilyn Manson is currently performing his Heaven Upside Down tour in the US um, and he had an accident at New York's Hammersmith Ballroom uh, a few days, well it was about last week now I think it was about a week ago now Yeah the massive irony that he uh, climbed, well tried to climb on a giant prop of two guns and they (laughs) fell and splattered him really um apparently spectators say he lay on the stage for 15 minutes and they even covered him with a sheet like a corpse that's kind isn't it yeah before just just don't (laughs) want anyone to see how hideous it is um before carrying him off on a stretcher and there's an extremely unflattering picture of him looking like a bloated corpse Um,
0: (laughs) okay my point would be that he looks like a bloated corpse most of the time now most of the time yeah i mean he how is he only 48 he looks like you know that, um, the Guardian article that I, um, gave you a copy of, which was a couple of weeks ago, the one where he, he's just very odd in it. where well, he touches the man's testicles. Yeah, that's strange, it's, isn't it? Yeah. I, I hadn't, I hadn't really Google image searched him in a while and I did. And he's I not looking like, good. no
1: not good at all no, especially he, thinking like in the context of having seen nick cave recently who is 60 yeah um and used to be a heroin addict yeah looks so much better than a man who's 12 years younger than him.
0: maybe it's the difference of um no i'm not going to go there. i was going to talk about the pros and cons of heroin drugs? heroin and yeah coke, no i that's, think that's true though different has drugs constant coke bloat yeah actual <clears throat> bloat yeah real like, it's, uh, I mean, I was partially, I mean, it's obviously like absolutely disturbing that this happened in the first place. It's slightly concerning. I mean, I'd be shitting myself if I saw that. Can you imagine if we saw that? I mean, I was just a like, bit like, oh my god, he's dead. Uh, I hope he doesn't cancel those shows. Yeah,
1: selfishly, through. they were like, oh, he's cancelled nine dates of his US tour. Oh, I hope that doesn't go until December because that's yeah. when we're seeing him. What um, you... P.S. I hope he's okay.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's probably fine. I think really he's fine. fine. They're probably pumping him full of more drugs, so he'll be Oh, God, be okay. it would have been... It w-
1: I mean, it wouldn't have been funny, but imagine if he died because he got flattened by a giant
0: gun. <laughs> it would have the been the ultimate irony. I mean, he um, just... Brian needs to chill out. He really needs to... And stop, like, trying he's to had climb. had a rough him. year. His dad died, which is really sad. Yeah,
1: and his mum died fair oh god I have not imagined that no I think his mum died fairly recently as well Brian's yeah. not having much luck at the no, moment no just no more climbing on props to start with Um what are your thoughts on his new album oh well I was going to come on to this later okay. but um I'll tell you now if just you tell like. me now um <clears throat> nah <laughs> um, <laughs> sure the Pale Emperor is definitely better which was his previous so this is his 10th studio album his previous one the Pale Emperor was a lot better uh huh Um, there's some songs that are quite listenable. Like you don't like the opening track, Revelation I just don't like the counting. I mean, I get it. I get the counting. One, two, three. Yeah. I quite like it. It's quite an aggressive opener. So I quite
0: like it. The one thing I did think is that it was was kind of throwback in how aggressive it was. Yeah. And that's
1: definitely different to the tone of the previous record, which felt a bit more
0: I did enjoy it. Sure. I mean, I just got bored halfway through and put a fortet on, which I think is probably like yeah, just massively indicative of my current T- mental
1: state. Um, Tattooed much... in Reverse is the worst song I've ever heard. Oh, that's the one I didn't like. That's the second track in. Yeah, oh good.
0: God, it's excruciating. I think it will grow on me and I think the song... I don't will think good. that song will. No, but I think that songs will grow on me mm. and I think it'll be really good to see live.
1: Yeah. And but... I think We Know Where You Fucking Live, which I can't remember if that was a single whether he just did the video teaser for it and Say Ten are pretty listenable there's a few others that are not as listenable. No, I hope um, he gets better. Me too. I think he needs to accept that he's not he just a disruptive figure in pop culture anymore.
0: No, like, and I just feel like he just needs to like actually maybe just know his limits.
1: Yeah. He I don't need to climb on a prop, Maz. Like, no, fine. I don't think you need to be what you were no. like 10, 15 years ago either. Like reading, which I'll go on to later, reading that Columbine book has made me realise just how much, like, how he was embroiled in that and the Mm. impact that that had and how profound it was and just how crazy it was. And, you know, from my point of view, as a young teenager, like, I didn't think he was... Well, I loved him, but I didn't think it was that big a deal. Whereas they seemed, you know, they really (laughs) were. There was, like, a huge moral panic over
0: him. Well, he he'd mentioned in that Guardian article, I think, the fact that, like, that essentially, like, all of the issues surrounding Columbine... Pretty much like just massively tanked his career for a mm. while, which I thought was really, really interesting. But then he came back with Hollywood, which is one of the best. Yeah, right. It's
1: amazing. But yeah, I think he needs to chill with the fact that he's not the same disruptor that he used to be. And that's fine. That's fine. We wish him well. We hope that he's better for the shows in December. Yeah, because I've paid money to go and see him and I want to actually see him. I'll this be time. livid. Yeah, I'd be so annoyed if he had was like, Oh, just my back hurts a bit. I mean really unsympathetic for a dude that just got squashed by a giant. (laughs) Like it's just it's really mean, but fine. He's fine, I'm sure he's fine. Selfishly. Feel better soon so you can come and see us. Other news this week, um some nice depression i feel like every time we do an episode there's another white dude that's come out like been exposed i did think as that a actually last time because when sexual I was, assaulter
0: i last time we um talked briefly in the ama episode we talked briefly about um joss whedon and i think the episode before that we might have talked about it as well yeah we did and we talked about <clears throat> casey affleck yeah it's almost like um men everyone's are awful. Are awful yeah
1: yeah it actually is but anyway um, so this is, of course, Harvey Weinstein, uh, the American film producer and studio executive, um, who has uh, been accused of multiple uh, sexual assaults and sexual harassments uh, from various women. Um, some of them are kind of uh, women that made claims years ago, who some of them paid had settlements paid um uh, and I think some of them signed DNAs, um, uh, but more and more women are coming out now and saying uh, that they were um, harassed or attacked or abused in some way by him. Um, it was an incredible like piece in the New York Times. That was sort of, like a yes. Really so it was the New York
0: Times that ran the kind of expose, wasn't it? They it was ran a long, the long first. piece of um, investigative journalism investigative. On that point, I mean, it, it opens with a. Um, and on anecdote because that's completely the wrong word but like a, an account by ashley judd mm-hmm. talking about an historic account where she'd been in a hotel room um and had been sort of in a very unsettling position with him um and it just that sort of opening with that just pretty much shows how a just how how far back it goes mm. and they're obviously kind of incredibly um it's, it's one of those things that's really good that it's come out and that yeah. it's now in the public arena but it's just the the level of like almost cover up and... Oh my God, it's huge.
1: And it's, it's one of those things that is like the least surprising thing ever but also a massive shock. It just, it, yeah. More even... a massive shock because it's been kept, like it's a thing that as always everyone knew about but kept quiet
0: yeah it's the level of kind of accountability i think across the board in hollywood that people that's what people knew he was like like there was the um account uh, by a journalist who said that he, um harvey weinstein had um, masturbated in front of her so this yeah so this is the latest one that's mm-hmm. come out
1: laura sivan who was yeah. formerly a fox news reporter yeah has yeah so since come out as you said caught in a it's like a restaurant or something yeah
0: it's the fact that i think that i found Mm. so unsettling as well as the fact that you know everyone knew that's what he was like Mm -hmm. like it's just across the board like oh that's he's just like a sketchy as fuck dude like
1: girls advising each other like you're okay as long as you're not in a room just yeah yeah
0: you know like oh i'll come and check on
1: you in 15 minutes if you're not back Like if someone has to do that that's fucked it's horrendous um and I mean we'll see what happens now he's taken sort of a permanent or a permanent indefinite leave of absence from the company a third of his uh, nine man board has
0: resigned within 24 hours it is really interesting because he's such a known figure in Hollywood whenever I read kind of um, interviews and articles and just anything about films and Hollywood you know as a a, within the culture his name always 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 crops up Um, he was the co-founder of Miramax back in those early days of kind of the rise of independent uh, studios and everything like that and mm. you know him and his um it's the brothers aren't those two of them um you know the other s- Weinstein yeah the other Weinstein um I've been so involved in Hollywood for you know decades so mm. it's really interesting that this is kind of I read a, an interesting piece about what well, was just asking where are the the
1: Hollywood women who are staying kind of silent at this point so he's been known to have quite Close friendships with Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, quite a few. That's what I was thinking, And there's thinking, just a actually. resounding silence at the yeah. moment. Um, it reminds me a bit of, uh, I was discussing last night, actually, when we were out, of Terry Richardson Ugh. and how when that all came out, there were women who were kind of came out and said well you know i never had an issue when he was with me and it's like he doesn't he's not going to sexually abuse people across the board
0: like the thing it made me think about actually quite a lot is um the woody allen issue mm. ongoing issue and um, it will be really interesting going forward seeing if people um are now distancing themselves from him and from working with him my biggest bugbear in hollywood is this continual need for actors and actresses to work with Woody Allen for example yeah. um every single time there's news of a new Woody Allen film coming out and the cast list is anu- announced it fucking drives me it's insane a, a because it's disappointment it's, yeah it's though. continually people i respect and and whose work I really enjoy, and you just think like you know it's really like I retweeted something the other day that someone had posted that was basically like people like you know people of Hollywood you can say no to working with Woody yeah. Allen like it's like a, great films are still
1: going to happen they don't have to happen especially with especially when it's guys. like
0: really really notable names as well you know I understand if you're kind of an, maybe an actor that's um, breaking out and you're given that opportunity you're you like might, oh I have to work with that yeah you person. might second guess it because it's going to give you this amazing platform but if you're someone like fucking yeah. Like Meryl
1: Streep really needs to work with Harvey Weinstein in order to do... You know. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's how I feel about Woody Allen. It's like, why are you working? Like, you don't need to do that. You're someone that would get offered like exceptional roles anyway. So there's absolutely no need. So it will be interesting going forward mm. to see if that... Um, if there's a similar similar reaction, sorry, to working with um, Harvey Weinstein going forward. Mm. And also how, what happens to him going forward. As you said, he's taken a leave of absence from kind of mm. working. So it'll be interesting to see what happens What to... happens,
1: yeah. I mean, can we just quickly touch on his hilarious statement that was released? The opening line of which is, I came of age in the 60s and 70s when all the rules about behaviour and workplaces were different. That was the culture then. No. He's put
0: that on his fucking gravestone. That was the culture I, then. I continually find that this, it was a different time narrative keeps cropping such... up and that's Ugh. such BS man I
1: mean I understand that it was to an extent um, it's still not okay even back then and we're not
0: in the fucking 60s now it's not are a we? justification for your behaviour in 2017
1: yeah you know, like, like, oh, that's the way it was, like, 40, 50 years ago. So I've just continued acting that way. Yeah, no, no, sorry. You're dude. not a dinosaur. Like, that's ridiculous. But I just love that it opened with that. Like, that's the immediate justification. Well, for I just work. feel that's incredibly indicative of the fact that he probably doesn't think that he's been doing anything wrong. No. So, And he's, like, really self... Like, just feeling so fucking sorry
0: for himself. Like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy. It's like, just go to jail, like at the end of the day though right this isn't going to affect his life in any way shape or form he's 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 made for life you know like this isn't this isn't going to affect him it's everyone else and also i just feel like that there needs to be like a just a resounding level of support for everyone that's come forward and everyone Mm -hmm. that continues to come forward as well i'm
1: glad that i mean as always it is good that it's come to light now and people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I think hopefully moving forward this just means that there's more and more pressure heaped on the industry to do something about it. Like every time something like this happens, like they can't just ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to do Hansel?
0: Let's do Hansel. Hansel. Um, some other news that emerged this week was that um, Ansel Elgort has been tapped for the um, adaptation of Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch. Um, it's a kind of s- sprawling novel, which yeah. I... Tell ad- me about adore. the novel, because I haven't I haven't read it. You haven't read it. Um, it's about a young man called Theo Decker. Um, his mum is... Lovely name. It's a delightful name, isn't it? His mother is killed um, in an explosion in a museum um, when he's... I think maybe he's early teens. Yeah. Um, and then the novel itself follows his kind of what happens to him thereafter, kind of the kind of complicated trajectory of his life. Um, I really enjoyed it. I absolutely love Donna Tartt's books anyway. Oh, so um, it was one of those things that took me a while to finish, um, but it was absolutely worth my time. Um, and I've, when i was reading it i did assume that at some point it would get adapted for the screen whether that would be in like a multi-part tv show because it is quite long or a film um so i was interested to see that um the news come out this week that it has been tapped um it's warner brothers and amazon stu- studios are partnering on it um the director of brooklyn did you set the film brooklyn? i didn't see brooklyn but i did see
1: it's yeah it's- john crowley john crowley it, yeah he's on board he did some episodes
0: film. of true detective as well oh sure i didn't apparently yeah i think so well, i think there's been kind of a bidding war between warner brothers and oh, okay. for it but yeah basically ansel elgaard has been um offered i think the role of theo decker although there was a very interesting news piece this week in conjunction with this that harry Styles. oh i know um i am very conflicted about this adaptation because part of i mean what the thing i always like about donna Tartt's Books is that she does have this innate ability to kind of um, paint such an amazing picture with her writing. And I've, I've got a very, very Just because the end
1: I, of my microphone I don't know why I did that, that was
0: a bit weird. Hold on, and we're back. Cool. Um, because I've got such a vivid image of what in my brain, anyway, of what I think Theodecca, um, the character is, like, um, it's just not Ansel Elgort, so part of my conflict about this, <laughs> so That's this gonna be a I weird. mean, I really like him. I really enjoyed his performance in Baby Driver. I this is the big question, isn't it? That. Do you like
1: Ansel Elgort? We had and this I conversation. Do in Baby, Baby Driver. In, in Baby Driver, I it was adorable. great.
0: He's fine in the in um our stars, I guess. I think
1: he's probably quite irritating in real life.
0: Do you follow me on Instagram?
1: Um No, because he's quite irritating. He's very extra. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I think he's quite extra. He loves his girlfriend. He's, very... I think the character of Baby in... Baby Driver is fucking adorable and that's what yeah. I like.
0: I don't think it's actual Ansel Elgort. His social media presence is um interesting. Uh yeah so I'm just let's just bit... link to that video of him again. I just wonder that to watch music it video. Yeah, it. I dunno, I just feel a bit I had a very, yeah, like I said, very vivid image of what Theodeca is like. In my brain he's like um Jason Schwartzman. Okay. But yeah, Jason that's Swartzman not is that's like not Ansel Elgort now. Yeah. So...
1: That would be so yeah that might be also, odd. Also I
0: feel like because the book itself I think spans I want to say 10, 20 years. Okay. It's quite a wide time frame because he's an adult by the end. So they'll make him look old. Yeah, you've got to find someone who can do both. Yeah. You know, like find someone who can do both, Find someone who can do both. Either going to be young or old or or do that annoying thing where they have someone younger that in no no way looks like the adult version. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I had a conversation with Vix about it briefly via twitter Hi, and i had to stop talking about it because i was getting really wound up <laughs> really
1: I... irate ah, yeah ha- mostly because
0: she was very open-minded about it which is probably what you should be and i was like no this is this is bullshit this shouldn't be happening just being incredibly selfish about i think it love, does come so... down to the fact i don't know if i like ansel elgort enough for him to be theo decker in yeah. the goldfinch we're gonna have to watch a... this space and see yeah hmm. Cool. On um, onto what we're currently enjoying and what we're looking forward to. Um, we thought we'd do kind of a bit of a musical retrospective. Yes. Um, we've been... September's been a busy one. It so. has been a busy one for us both. Um, I, in the space of a week, I saw The National twice and Ryan Adams You had twice. a very busy week of doing yeah, it stuff. Was, it was like the week of peak April. Um, <laughs> happy April happy week. Happy April week. Yeah, it was very bad planning on my part. <laughs> In the, the Well, the Ryan Adams shows got announced first, so we decided to go to those twice. And then I think maybe like a month and a half later, the National got announced shows as well. So we decided to do, they did a residency of four shows at um, Hammersmith. Apollo, Apollo in London um, and we went to the first and the final of those shows um yeah it was just a very emotionally overwhelming week for me yeah it's I, a bit much probably if I I've definitely mentioned how much I love the national only know, a few times on this podcast multiple times mm-hmm. and Ryan Adams again is one of my favorites so it was pretty much like wall-to-wall Water wall to emotion. wall emotional overload. Um, both sets of shows were very, very, very good. Um, I saw Ryan Adams in Cambridge, and then the next day at the Royal Albert Hall. Royal Albert Hall is such a great venue. It's such an. I mean, so like, we nice. took my mum, which was super cool as well. She's never seen Ryan Adams before. Or so lovely, her her facebook updates and stuff which is she was very very adorable um she's great. never been to the royal Albert hall and she's never seen ryan adams before like i said so oh. it was a very momentous day for her she enjoyed it um and the cambridge show was cool as well um tom and i actually saw ryan adams for the first time together i'd seen him before in the past at that same venue um but the first time tom and i went to see him together was at the cambridge corn exchange so it was kind of a nice like little retrospective yeah there. Um, he was amazing he's always really really good live um could talk for hours about his brilliance but it was a really really good show um also had like a weird level of like kindness from random people really and i'm really short i'm five two maybe was quite little i can never see anything and uh Royal that is Ab- the worst it's, it's awful it's the bane of i mean my it's life. bad
1: enough for me and i'm like five seven it's so i don't nightmare. know hell. i mean
0: i um At the Royal Albert Hall we were seated but in in the Cambridge Corn Exchange we were standing and I couldn't really see anything and managed to get my way to the front partially and then just like two sets of people like let me stand in front of them which, full disclosure, never happens at shows ever. Yeah, that's really nice. I usually get like a six foot monster standing in front of me and then you like maybe point out... With like big hair. Yeah, you point out that you can't see and they're just like... Hug off. but um yeah i just had two sets of people like let me stand in front of I'm them so pleased so i ended up on the barrier kindness wow did you not get crushed no because it's a ryan adams show it's oh, like okay. the most civil because i ever. have like a uh,
1: like an actual fear of going near the barrier because I imagine I won't be able to breathe yeah
0: no you just have to remember that the clientele of our album show is like dads everyone's good oh sorry mums everyone's sorry. very polite a lot of breathing space there yeah, yeah it was yep. great yep. it was really good um, I definitely recommend listening to his most recent album Prisoner and going back and listening to loads of his other stuff because he is exceptional um, the national shows as well were very 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 good they're touring their um, most recent album Sleep Well Beast um, they're just amazing man I
1: could yeah. just watch
0: them for hours just all the feels in the world Um, The set lists were amazing. Um, They played a bunch of old stuff as well, which considering they've got a whole... How many... Yeah, how long is their back catalogue? It's pretty, pretty big. They played some really um, old stuff from uh, Cherry Tree and Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers, which is like, I want to say 2000. Yeah. So it's like, there were deep cuts, which was really, really cool as well because um, I always feel like when you see an artist that has such a... um, a lengthy back mm. catalogue same goes to ryan adams as well actually i mean he's got like 16 17 studio albums so um it's i feel all... like you get the new stuff and the favorites yeah it's always like the hits and then yeah. like the new stuff especially if they are plugging a new album but mm-hmm. with the national they're kind of it was a really nice balance between stuff from sleep well beast the new record and then lots of deep cuts so i am glad that Brilliant. we did the two shows because it, it was different sets um oh they night. did different yeah nice. they played like the bulk of the new the same new they stuff probably know a lot of people
1: more. go on repeat yeah they played
0: a lot of the same new stuff but then the, the other songs were like a, it was a mix of different things actually so it was really really cool um to see
1: lovely um same
0: week i think same week that you did some of that it was the end of the national week for me was when you cool. went to nick cave so i
1: came back from holiday on the tuesday morning mm-hmm. and on saturday uh, Wes and I saw Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds at the O2, which is such a weird venue. For yeah, Nick I was gonna. It's funny. Oh, it's
0: weird because we. I purposefully didn't get tickets. I think because it was just after I'd bought the um, Ryan, Adams Ryan Adams tickets. Ryan Adams tickets. They so came on at the same time. Everything once, and they? I remember just being like, "Wow, like the O2. That's mm. that's big."
1: I mean, it was magnificent, and the sound was like, the sound was fucking great I actually which is
0: lovely it's I was quite surprised we saw the national there at the end of 2014 and I'd been really skeptical about seeing them in a huge venue Mm. like that but I was again was like Mm. pleasantly surprised by it's quite I mean
1: it's still quite strange because it is the sort of band that um it's not like they have a big setup Mm -hmm. it's not like they need a lot of staging it's not like they're not an arena band no they're quite a stripped down band and you know the performance is very much about nick caves movement and their movement as a band yeah so that's a bit weird but um it was really really nice and that was a great i mean it's probably one of the best gigs i've been to um definitely in recent years
0: you've seen him before in smaller venues though yes
1: so we saw Nick. it wasn't the full bad seeds outfit the last time it was sort of nick cave and three quarters of the bad seeds um, in Nottingham at a much smaller venue and we were seated and we were like four rows from the front. We mm-hmm. were so close. So I think that's more special to me in a way because of the proximity and the fact yeah, that definitely. I had to just sit there and absorb it all. Yeah. Whereas this time it was like massive crowd, massive screens, like a better set list and it sounded insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, probably like, yeah, you know, it did, I took something different away from it Um that was a really nice mix it was about 2 hours long the set mm-hmm. um they played uh some tracks from Skeleton Tree that I hadn't obviously have not heard yet um which was they were really good and
0: i i haven't listened to that record much because it makes me feel a bit weird we watched um, one more time with feeling last night. Of course, and, you did, yeah. Um, which was amazing. I you went to see it at the cinema and I didn't get around to going. Um, How was, did you find it? It was really, really, really overwhelming. Draining. Um, I on the just on the topic of Skeleton Tree, which is why I bring it up. Um, I haven't listened to that album as much as I probably would have done, just because it, it's such a punch in the yeah, gut. Yeah, it is, um, and
1: you can see like post like watching the film and then hearing the record Mm
0: -hmm. it was even harder yeah absolutely i can only imagine like it's it's quite funny doing it the other way around like having heard the record first and then watching all of the the footage in the film where he is talking about how the album came together and then obviously having to sort of allude to the to the death of his son arthur Mm. as well it was it was just really really interesting so i was kind of um just set wise at the the live shows i was really interested to hear what the the, kind of those songs sounded like like. they
1: sounded great and it wasn't it's weird it's not i mean i guess you must just get into performance mode and you don't think about those things but like you know part of me was expecting like this must be really emotional for Mm -hmm. him and it i'm i imagine you just have to switch that side of it off yeah um but yeah it must be so weird performing with that kind of yeah with that
0: background I think for me it's the fact that everyone knows the narrative yeah that you're experiencing I mean he talks a lot about in the film actually which I thought was very very interesting he talks about time and kind of how he doesn't see his songs as being a story or representative Mm. of like things that he's going through but I think think it's and he has an element of
1: detachment from them yeah absolutely
0: but it's the fact that everyone else when they listen to that record they're automatically oh yeah that's
1: the record about the death of your son yeah
0: even if it isn't it's because a lot of those songs are quite kind of address the same kind of themes i guess everyone's just working and a lot of assumption. those tracks were written before it happened absolutely so yeah Which is just was... a
1: weird coincidence yeah, really is,
0: you know really really interesting
1: but the yeah i mean it was i have such a profound respect for his family and um i know that they've been on the tour the whole time um which is great he was unbelievable for a man yeah who was 60 with the background that he's had and with the recent trauma that he's had i mean he's
0: like impeccable he's amazing um i did say to tom multiple times during the film last night just being like he's literally just turned 60 yeah it's insane it's crazy he's
1: just he was climbing into the crowd like i mean most of his performance
0: takes place in the audience at these things and it's just amazing to watch um one of the things um just going back to those national shows i um went to it's really really funny watching Matt Berninger who's the singer of the National he's very much kind of like that like gets into the crowd and stuff and yeah um knowing that you were seeing Nick Cave at the end of that week I remember reading an article a, a while ago about kind of Matt talking about his influences and stuff and he's a big Nick Cave fan, Nick K fan. Like all of the National like massive Nick Cave fans and it's really funny watching him on stage because like watching him and then having seen like live footage of Nick Kay perform like is very very similar and it's like you can definitely see the influence of kind mm. of that just I don't know, very like emotional mm. performance kind of I Don't know, it's just funny to think It about. was
1: also a really funny bit where he like traveled out a bit further into the crowd mm-hmm. past the barriers and uh found the lead singer of primal scream tom told me that Which is just, just so when he was like
0: oh hey tom was telling me that last night <laughs> oh, when hey. we were watching um watching that's the brilliant. film he was like oh you know that he like found bobby gillespie in the, the crowd and i was like that's insane was so like it's gotta be rehearsed, but I don't think it
1: was. it's just like, oh hey. I love that shit. I love when, Bobby's like, just like rocking out at the front. Musicians at other people's
0: shows. It's great. It was but it was yeah, it was it was amazing. It was great. Um, another musical thing that has come up since we last recorded. On the th- flip side. On the flip side. I think we did not talk about this when we did the AMA just because it obviously didn't come up. Um, Taylor Swift's um, new album is Has done some stuff. Has done some stuff. Um, her new album is out in November, I believe. The uh, album cycle begins again. Yeah. Um, it's she, happening all over again. happening all over again. She released, did we not talk about this at all last time? No, I don't think we did. She released what? Look What You Made Me Do.
1: Oh no, did stuff. we? We talked about her being a massive
0: fucking snake. When, when was that? Snakey snake, snake, I don't remember. Might snaky, have been in our personal snaky, lives. Snake. Um, so she released the single um, Look What You Made Me Do with the video that has all of the tailors in it. All of the um, tailors. Various yeah.
1: tailor narratives.
0: Thoughts, feelings, um,
1: go. I liked Look What You Made Me Do fairly quickly. I mm-hmm. know quite a few, it, a lot of people were split on it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I don't feel any particular, I mean... Taylor I... Swift. I enjoy Taylor Swift, but I don't feel any particular loyalty towards her. Nor, yeah, have I ever been that. Like,
0: I just kind of enjoy some of her stuff. I, for one, am excited for the Taylor Swift roller coaster to begin again. Um, not that it ever stopped, but I just I, I always find her album cycles to be of of great interest. Yeah. Um, um
1: ready for it, which was the the next track. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as fussed. No, it's um, fine. It's catchy, but. I feel like, especially with the choruses, it seems to just be replicating a lot of what's already out there, and I'm not yeah. sure whether a set I don't know
0: whether it really suits i her. I did not like look what you made me do as much earlier. you took a bit over what it took uh, a while it took didn't a it? while just after like relentless listening, kind of having to bully myself into coming. you like it? it I like it now though. I really enjoyed the the Fred, uh right said Fred aspect, oh my God, brilliant, um, that's great um yeah, it is catchy. It is. Um, I'm interested to see what this new album is like. Yeah. Reputation. Reputation with the dodgiest I hope cover she just ever. stops being mad at the
1: press, though, because Ugh. I just Von, don't think it's helpful. Von raised a really good point the other day that... Uh, Taylor Swift, she's kind of, with these new singles, and I imagine with this record, she's kind of made it... She's made it obvious that she's aware of what everyone's saying about her, but she doesn't seem to actually understand why or take responsibility for it she doesn't want it. to engage in a she's like oh i it. know you're all you know trying to like adopt all the criticisms as her own and like sort of joke about them kind of ironically but it's like do you are you going to engage at all with like why people might think you're that there way why a, people might think you're a snake or whatever there was a
0: very very good article i think it was on buzzfeed okay um, i will locate it about taylor swift having played the victim her entire career which um is a very interesting debate to yeah. have um yeah I, she just doesn't want to engage in a dialogue about her behavior which no. i think is actually m- one of the most frustrating things not that i'm saying that she owes anyone anything no but, but it just... remind.
1: i was saying it reminded me of um when i was at school and we used to call all the popular girls the plastics and then they found out and they tried to adopt the title as their own like ironically because then it would like it's, limit, weird it's like damage control thing, isn't like it? and i was and i remember them like saying to me like oh the pla-? i was like well that doesn't take away from the fact that you're still shitty people. <laughs> I like, no the
0: whole the whole build up with the that first single as well was the you know releasing of the the weird snake videos yeah. and stuff like that. And I get you're still a people still going to think you're a snake. I get that you're reclaiming the fact that Kim Kardashian called you a snake on National Snake Day, um, but I just it just I it doesn't know. take away from it comes though. across as being a little cringy mean girl. I think it yeah. comes across as a bit mean girl. She's but... a bit Regina George. She is a little bit. Which so I'm here for, that's fine, if that's how we're going to play it. But I'm interested to see how this um, album cycle narrative... Yeah. Is. I, I, I will happily spend hours reading about Taylor Swift and her various... Um, I don't know. Just her entire existence. <laughs> just her entire existence. What a funny existence she leads.
1: Yeah. Um, just a really quick shout out before we move on to other things. Um, I feel like we always address the same topics with this but fine um chelsea wolf released a new album called his spun um it's her sixth studio album um uh i don't know a few weeks ago um sort of late ish september Mm -hmm. um it's her first outing with a converge guitarist producer kurt Balau, Balau, Blue Blue, Baloo. Baloo. I say Balou. Balou.
0: Kurt, Kurt Balou. But... Is that like the one from Jungle Book? Uh, yeah, he's quite tall though, so I guess that's there that you go. Cool. Fine.
1: Um, involved. Um, nice. I mean, I don't think you can really go wrong with the Chelsea Wolf record. Um, there's a nice kind of blend of metal, industrial, electronic. I was going to say, is it pretty standard Chelsea Wolf? It is pretty standard Chelsea Wolf. Oh, I'll have to find out. You know, what? I meant to look this up before I came wes compared it to another band that i know that she's a really big fan of and i can't remember who it was was it neurosis probably well, it might have been neurosis um but he was like oh she takes a lot of influence from this and then when i listened to it i was like i can completely see what you mean um it, i don't like it as much as the previous record mm-hmm. i think the previous record is like her best mm-hmm. thus far um, it's just so killer, especially the opening tracks. But yeah. I mean, it's great. Standard Chelsea Welfare can't really go wrong with her voice. And... You know where you are
0: with her. I really like the atmospheric element of it. I have to be in a, a, a very it's good... perfect winter soundtrack. Yeah, she's very much like a winter artist for me. Like just walking home. When You're not going to spin that in the sun. <laughs> yeah, driving oh, in the car in the do sunshine. Do. No, I mean also she. Yeah, it's just so atmospheric and like you know having. Seen her live before? Fucking amazing! It's it's the type of music that just transfers to a live setting so well. I almost think that's where she is at her best. I think Mm. live. Oh yeah, Um, hundred hundred. Because it just it's such a kind of it's it's the experience of it. Mm. I often find with her stuff is kind of just what's the best thing um, about it, really. Yeah. So that's yeah. Just a quick shout out
1: if people haven't people been a fan of her before and haven't listened to it yet. Definitely recommended fairly standard you know fair for her she's kind of a solid artist
0: um yeah recommended on to movies let's do it um movies it feels like it's been some time since we talked about any movie. we had loads that were carried over which i don't know if we'll yeah address. so i mean i had
1: i might just give them a shout out but not actually say anything about them sure um so we carried over uh what's it called right no not rise of the planet and the apes what's What's War. New one? War, War, War for the Planet of the Apes, which I saw, um, but I mean that was so long ago now. I'm just not going to.
0: I do like the new uh, Planet of the Apes films.
1: Oh yeah, I yeah, I really enjoy them. And War for the Planet of the Apes was it was great. I really I was Woody enjoyed Harrelson. it. Um, just Woody Harrelson he just plays the same character all the time
0: he's you know that he's slightly he, nasty just quickly going back to music he um, did a spoken word thing on the most recent Killers record which I haven't listened to because no I didn't know but that. he was performing live with them recently which I thought was hey, like insane I okay. think um, uh, Scott went to see the Killers recently and Woody mm. Harrelson was there and did a live thing how random That's no weird, I didn't know that it? at all
1: I just like Woody um, Harrelson he's probably the most standard part of that film actually mm-hmm. it's a bit like Woody Harrison playing a bad guy, fine. Sure. You know what you getting. You know what you are. Fine. Um, is really good. Um, but I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: Sure. Great film. Damn. Um I saw um a film called The Big Sick as well. You did, has, yes. Um Kamel Nijani and Zoe Kazan in it. It's based on the um real life story of Kamal and and his wife Emily, um, in their early days of their relationship. It's really good. It's like a real heart warmer um I don't know. It's just a really, really, really nice film. Nice film. Very emotional. Very funny. Definitely recommend people check that out if um, they get the opportunity to do so. Um we also saw um, Detroit together. We did as well see Detroit together. Um, most recent um, from director Catherine Bigelow, whose work I um, enjoy in parts. Uh, big fan of Point Break. Yeah. Near Dark. Yeah. Near Dark. I mean, I love Near Dark. Cart Locker as well. Yes, fine. I can't,
1: I can barely remember Hurt
0: Locker, but fine. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember. about Was it. it? Um, I haven't seen Zero Dark 30 because I have no interest no, in it. No, neither have I, but, actually. Um, fine. Yeah, just. You know, she's a, a, a director whose work is very interesting. Um, yeah, Detroit was um, emotionally overwhelming. Yeah,
1: Detroit was fabulous, but in a really, I mean, it was harrowing. I had a really extreme reaction to it, actually. I started crying at the end, and then for some reason, I couldn't stop. It was horrible. So I had I to go yeah. to the loo and just. Compose myself, like have a big sob, and just I don't know whether it was like a build up of other stuff, I don't I really think, know. But oh th- my god, I, I think haven't it cried was, like that for me, especially. I think
0: it's because when we saw it, um, just everything that's happening in the states at the moment on multiple levels, I think that it had been a tough week, yeah. Um, news wise, I think, and that I know for me was particularly why I found it like especially affecting. Not that I wouldn't have done so, anyway, but it just yeah. felt like this is it's 2017 and these issues. Um, are so incredibly prescient, and they're just still ongoing, and it, that's that's what's depressing as fuck about it. It was wonderfully done. That I mean, it's a really, I like the way really it was really good. It's really really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, John Boyega's in it. He's brilliant. Um, there's a lot of other it's so Mack is in it. Um, Will Poulter as well. Yeah. Um, from Son of... I always think of him as the kid from *Son of Rambo*, which he's walked. Like, <laughs> He's like in his twenties now, he's always gonna be that kid. Uh, Always the kid from Son of Rambo. Um he was great though. Yeah, it was a really really brilliant cast, really well put together. Um definitely worth checking out.
1: Absolutely. Um And then we saw a film that we've been referring to just continuously since we started this podcast, I think from the first episode. Um It. It. We saw It. It It Um based on the 1986 novel by Stephen King. Um Directed by, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Andy Machete? machete? I think it's Machete. 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 When he also listened... directed Mama. Yeah, that, Mama. when I've
0: listened to stuff recently, everyone it sounds like they're just calling him Machete, like the... Machete. Bee, like a machete. Knife. So, that's Machete. machete.
1: Yeah. Um Yes. Uh, stars Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise the Clown. Um, got a fabulous cast uh, for the Loser Club. Um, the only kind of recognisable face for me... To begin with, with was Finn Wolfhard. Our pal um, Finn Wolfhard. Our pal Finn from Stranger Things, uh, who was Richie Tozier. Um, the rest of the
0: Loser Club are uh, kind of newcomers, I
1: think. Or at least they're newcomers to the, me. The,
0: one of the kids I recognised from something else, but I can't think what it is now. Um, but the rest of them I hadn't seen in anything else.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's one of two films. Um, so for those that don't know, although I'm sure you will do, um the book it um is friggin' massive. It's about thirteen hundred pages. I like that you managed to read it. Yes, it's a big one. it's it's very meaty, it's a big, big book. Um and it moves in time between um back in the day when the kids were young and they first uh, kind of came together as the Losers Club, um, and they were fighting uh this ancient kind of shape-shifting evil um that emerges every twenty seven years um in the town of Derry, Maine to um essentially feed um or terrible things happen every twenty seven years um in this uh small town and uh they happen to be caught up in this yeah, those that twenty seventh year um where children start going missing and dying and being found. Um and it begins with uh Bill Denbra's uh, little brother dying. Um Georgie, Georgie dying at the very beginning, um and then the book moves between um yeah, them when they were young, fighting this evil, and then twenty seven years later they return as adults together to kind of have this final showdown with it, um which mostly appears as a clown called Pennywise, but um also kind of manifests as various kind of evils and traumas that um each of the children kind of dream up. Um so this film just they've split the film, um so this film just focuses on them as kids and the next one will focus on their return
0: as adults. I am glad they didn't try and tackle both in one. I think I would have yeah. found that annoying. Oh yeah. I don't think I would have I think in a in the in a particular time frame I think the back and forth narrative would have been distracting. It would have been and I think Given how big the book is, mm-hmm. I think
1: it's worth splitting into two. I'm glad they're not splitting it into any more, but I think it will sit quite nicely. I do wonder, and I know a few people have brought up the fact that it the book feels like a lot more goes on when they're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there enough to sort of bulk out another film based on when they're older? And yeah. I think there is. But we'll see how it goes. I imagine
0: they'll pad it. It'll be interesting to see who they get to play the adult roles as well. Yeah, um, I think they asked the kids on this press tour who they get to play the adult Oh, selves, really? Yeah. Um, and the girl who plays Beverly said he Jessica. He Ch- said she said Jessica Chastain. And when someone had asked me who I thought would be the adult ones, I'd suggest you said Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Um, amazing. I'd like to see Adam Driver as growing up Richie. Pretty that would cool. be. That would
1: be very. That yeah. would make sense as well. That yeah. would
0: be I, cool. Yeah. I. I. I mean. I absolutely yeah tell me how you what you thought about it so i've been really apprehensive about seeing this because i fucking hate clowns (laughs) fine like just and i i think actually my clown thing comes from the um original it in the first place the one with tim curry so it's probably his fault Um, yeah i i really enjoyed it and i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it i really liked the the stand by me kind of vibe it seems very Mm. of the moment to kind of have that 80s like it's very strange things very strange it? things um, but I, I for me it felt more stand by me there's the, that podcast that we like um the next picture show yeah next picture they show. did they've done an episode or two episodes rather oh, where they compare they? it and stand oh, by Brilliant. me which i thought That's was really it was quite choice. satisfying to be like yeah i have to listen to that so, yeah i liked the stand by me vibe i liked how much the focus was on the friends as well yeah which the is actual loser club which, again very much what the book is about yeah it's and about i have those friendships it's not kind of Pennywise is like the backdrop to those Yeah, I haven't read the book at all. And it, so it was interesting that um, that when we talked about it afterwards mm. that you confirmed it. I like the whole thing just seems about fear and childhood fear, and especially because they're all meant to be like early teens yeah like 12 13 yeah, it's that yeah. kind of like you're in they're high just hitting
1: sp- puberty basically yeah
0: exactly which you know that's the manifestation of everything that goes on at that time particularly for boys and girls isn't it so yeah I really really liked it I thought it was really well put together um and for someone it felt that the scary parts were scary but it didn't feel like overly gory it didn't feel like the way that some modern horror is kind of just jump scares yeah and it all felt appropriate it didn't feel gross out or any poor I th- point I thought Bill Skarsgård was brilliant as Pennywise yeah so Penny so- I was
1: going to bring up Pennywise it was a very different take on Pennywise yeah from the original um well I say the original from the Tim Curry version mm-hmm. um so Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise is I think a lot more childlike in its approach which would make sense when thinking about that Pennywise is sort of a, uh, you know appears um as a manifestation sort of based on childhood fear mm-hmm. so kids are scared of a clown you know the clowns Actually, it, it's interesting to think that the clown would therefore appear childlike because it's what the kids would be scared of. Yeah, and um, he's very, uh, he seems less. Cru- the original, I'm trying to think of how to word it. So the original Tim Curry version seemed very um, kind of. S- uh, clever and quite sort of slick mm-hmm. um, and
0: quite charming whereas this Pennywise seemed just really fucking off the wall and a bit mad. I did like, like how... he was drooling. Like. It just was a bit much, wasn't it? Uh, that opening, within the opening kind of you know, 20 minutes where Georgie goes missing, that entire sequence, I just felt sick the entire time when Georgie's talking to down the storm drain. I just... It was a lot. Yeah, it was... Compl- I'm glad it, was a, it wasn't just
1: a replica of Tim Curry's version of Pennywise because that would have been pointless. That
0: just would have been pointless. And also because that is the reference point that everyone has for it, I think it would have just been kind of ill-advised for Bill to kind of be like, oh, I'm just going to do my version of of Tim Curry. It's kind of good that that he made it his own and they are kind of quite distinct interpretations of it, which I do quite like. I always find when there are... It's good to have a different take. Yeah, when you are basically playing a role that someone else has played, Mm. I do think that... I mean, the comparison that I'm just is springing to mind now is like the Heath Ledger version of the Joker versus Jack oh Nicholson's yeah, absolutely. Version of the I've Joker. read some, I've read some articles where that's been brought up as well. Yeah, and Jared Leto's version. I guess it's kind of like how do you interpret it for yourself and make mm-hmm. it your own so that you're distinct enough. And I feel like that he, in in the context of it, that he definitely did it. I don't know. I I just I was I came away being really surprised mm. as to how much I enjoyed it, and I'm I'm really glad that I did actually mm. because it's definitely not the type of thing that I probably would have gone, to, gone to see, um yeah. but i'm just very very glad that i did
1: it was great and did you know that um tilda swinton was in like was a name in the hat for playing pennywise i didn't quite interesting
0: that's weird
1: yeah i was, was like been...
0: okay yeah. i can
1: kind of i can see that but that would have been another completely different take that would have been interesting that would have been really interesting so maybe next time She's great um No, I agree with everything you've said. I love the balance of, it got the right balance of humour and horror um, because I think, yeah, you know, the focus is so much in the book on those kids and their dynamic um, and some of them are very funny. And uh, it was set in the 80s rather than the, I think it's the 60s in the book. Mm -hmm. And it was set in the 80s, which I think made sense and kind of made it more uh, sort of relatable. Yeah. And also, I think, because the book was written, uh, well, it's based in the 60s, there's a few sort of slightly clanky elements to it that wouldn't transfer very well. Yeah. Now, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, in terms of kind of dialogue and things, that would just sound awful Mm. nowadays. So I think bringing it into the 80s really helped. Um, uh, I was glad to see that they didn't include the infamous orgy scene
0: yeah we talked about that on together didn't we because i didn't even realize having again not read it i didn't even realize that was a thing yeah um that would have been awful i'm glad they didn't attempt <laughs> even attempt to do it i think it's nice to acknowledge the fact that that's a very I very flawed just... part of of king's that's writing. that's aged particularly it's aged badly horribly so that's um did they is it in the original uh no no so i'm glad that it has been avoided at all costs i don't think there's <laughs> any... Just wants it's uh, any it's it's really interesting let's just avoid the child orgy yeah that um there was that piece that was on the vulture um in which the yes thing vaguely addresses how he doesn't really understand that that's the thing that people have issue with and not the fact that it's like child killing which like on one hand yeah fine but also no yeah exactly <laughs> no. right there's no um, justification for
1: it for those that don't know the context fully although i'm sure you might have read about it now by now um, the I was quite shocked because I didn't realise uh, I was reading It and I got near the end and there's uh, a scene in the book where the kids are lost in the sewer tunnels after defeating well, sort of semi-defeating It as kids um, and they're lost in the sewer tunnels um, they're scared that they're losing their connection to one another because they've been such a solid group and so connected throughout the kind of summer, they're worried that it's going to fizzle out, they're going to lose each other, sort of in the tunnels and also you kind of you know in the widest sense um and the solution which beverly comes up with um is uh to each for them to effectively line up or get in a circle and each uh lose their virginity to beverly um so it is effectively a child gangbang and it's an interesting plot point yeah, yeah so stephen king um i was mortified when i read it and i could com- i know i know what they were try i know what he was trying to do um when asked about it recently he said uh, stephen king said i wasn't really thinking of the sexual aspect of it intuitively the losers knew they had to be together again the sexual act connected childhood and adulthood which i get and i've seen lo- i've read quite a lot online with people going oh nah, you know it's obviously about moving from childhood i yeah, don't need them to have a fucking gangbang but to for, understand
0: for that. me that feels like very like entry-level ham-fisted like We're 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 addressing the transition from childhood to adulthood. So they have have, to have a gang. They have to
1: do this. It is disgusting, and it really freaked me out when I read it. Some people were completely supportive of it. I think it just it. I think in terms of the book as well, it's so jarring to read that scene. It doesn't fit with the rest of it. And I would say that Stephen King being on drugs and drink during (laughs) that time had more of an effect on that than he is probably willing to admit really glad it's not it's not in the original it wasn't it was i don't think it was ever going to be included when this film was in sort of talks with other I directors i feel
0: like the only way they would have gotten away with it is if they'd made the kids older which then would yeah. have almost defeated the point of the film exactly. itself because the but whole... it's... They're meant to be kids. It's so, great. if you made them teenagers, it would just be like... It's not okay. No.
1: <laughs> Please, why does it exist? Thanks for not including it. Yeah, so glad they didn't. Um, Glad it was... So Wes described the film as an adult Goosebumps, which is <gasps> basically so my favourite thing Oh ever. my God, that's such a good description. I am a grown-up and I love Goosebumps. Adult Goosebumps. The dream. Um, it's now the highest-grossing R-rated horror film of all time. And it's the second highest-grossing horror film overall of all time. Uh, second to The Sixth Sense. So sure. really pleased it's doing so well. Um yeah looking forward to the next one yeah and who they yeah who they get on board i think it's going to be great
0: um another thing that we saw together um in the last 48 hours just a thing just a thing just we a saw small thing. is um there's there's a new blade runner out yeah Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Did you know? Did you know? I mean, I heard? feel like my
1: entire life is saturated with Blade Runner this week. It's weird. It's everywhere.
0: Isn't it? I mean, I at the beginning of the week, I couldn't believe that I was even a booking tickets for a Denis Villeneuve. I can't say so. No. Denis Venue. Denis Villeneuve um, directed adaptation mm-hmm. sequel of. Blade Runner 20.9. It, it's, it's, it's felt
1: like that a few times this year. Can't believe I'm watching Twin
0: Peaks reboot. Yeah, Can't believe I'm watching it does, doesn't it? So yeah, we went to see it on Friday night because I, we had to see it before everyone, the internet, decided to ruin Implodes, it for us. Yeah. Um, I was massively apprehensive about going into this because I've been trying to manage my expectations. Um, Denis, as we've talked about, is one of my favourite directors working in Hollywood at the moment anyway. Denis, with Arrival last year, talked about um, kind of his... Um, love of sci-fi and how he wanted to direct sci-fi from off the bat. Anyway, so I'd had sort of every faith in his directing abilities. Um, he was working with Roger Deakins, cinematographer on the film as well. Um, someone whose work I think we've mentioned before. Yes. someone whose work we admire greatly. So, um, even though Ridley Scott. Yeah, he is Rudy Scott. No, Rudy Scott Scott wasn't going to be at the helm himself. (laughs) Um, I think that I was quite hopeful, but I had managed my expectations, mostly because I didn't want to be let down. And um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. So much more than I thought I would. Yeah, Because I really did think that I would come away being disappointed. It was weird.
1: I was was bolstered nicely by um, the sort of reactions of people who had seen it already so there were quite a few sort of reaction tweets out there and they were all very very positive Mm -hmm. which made me think i think this is going to be really good and i wasn't disappointed so it met my expectations
0: yeah that was the main thing 48 hours before i think yeah that was the main thing for me as i had been trying to avoid as much online as possible in those early reviews and there had been quite a few people kind of um critically wise kind of other writers and stuff whose work I like reading had sort of you know fired off tweets saying how much they'd enjoyed it um and also just people I know personally who'd seen it you know Thursday night and Friday morning um basically saying that they they were just blown away by it so Mm. yeah I I just I can't I'm just kind of over. when we left I was just really overwhelmed by how good it was yeah in the kind of way that i was like oh like i knew it was going to be good but i didn't think it was going to be like it was
1: really really together wasn't really it really together i think every single aspect of it worked uh really really well um just as a quick premise um the film stars ryan gosling as officer k um who is uh, a blade runner like harrison ford in the original who's um, kind of tasked with finding a secret that could potentially rip the world as they know it apart. Um, Harrison Ford is back as Rick Deckard. Um, And it's, I mean, it's how long is it? It's almost three hours long. It's
0: two hours and 43 minutes, Um, I believe.
1: Felt absolutely fine for that length of time. I was totally absorbed for the entire
0: thing. Um, I mean Denise films are often very very long and I remember I text you on Friday and been like just so you know it's only three hours long mm. and considering we went to like mm. an 8.45 screening in the evening yeah I was just like Jesus I'm so tired like, I'm gonna be so tired but actually. it just like there was a point um, towards the end where I was like oh I'm getting quite tired now. Like, I really hope it finishes soon. And it, then it finished within about five minutes. And I was like, Oh good. Like, I'm glad that, that, that worked that, well. I'm glad it didn't feel like a slog. I'm glad yeah. I didn't halfway through go like, oh, Jesus, like how mm. much longer Just the the way that it, the narrative went, it just flowed incredibly well. There it wasn't did. a point where I was like, Oh God, there's still another hour or anything like that, which <clears> often, I mean, we've talked at length of how we like short films so how Have it can, I, yes I really like how it can often be guys. like a mammoth task to kind of tackle something that is longer than two hours mm-hmm. and it just didn't feel long it really didn't I mean it's it's interesting
1: because I mean the pace for the original Blade Runner you know it's it's very much a kind of future noir kind of it was described as a well Robbie Collins um describes uh, the new Blade Runner is a future noir mystery rather than, say, like an action film. And which I think that's you, yeah, which that's think... true of the original as well. Yeah, absolutely um, I would So to... it's actually, you know, the pacing of it—it's not like a fast-paced film. Mm-hmm. It's very much, yeah, a noir film. Um, but it just always—it felt perfectly paced. The story—I um, feel like the story fits really, really well with the original it didn't feel like they were like scrambling to come up with an idea for a story to carry on the
0: kind of part of my concern is that it would be this overly complicated kind of arc um in an attempt to kind of almost justify its existence yeah i liked how it has to have lots going on and blah 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 yeah i almost liked the simplicity of it like it didn't there wasn't like it didn't feel tangential there wasn't any part that kind of didn't feel resolved in that like it goes off in one direction and then has to dart back or anything Mm. like that like for me it just kind of i don't know it just felt incredibly just just properly thought out you know yeah like worthy almost yeah
1: absolutely and it addressed a lot of the same i mean it addressed the same themes as the original film there was a lot about humanity and identity and memory and what it means to be a human and, well, that's the whole. and all of those it all carried through perfectly and I think the story really complemented that yeah
0: I mean it's incredibly like in line with a lot of those other kind of future set films where it's you know like an AI discovers actually what you know the reality of its existence and has mm. to com- contemplate its existence and wh- whether what it thinks is real is actually real and, and kind of the challenge of how you deal with that. Which mm. obviously, you know, going back to the original Blade Runner, that's the whole point mm. almost.
1: Um, Mark Kermode, I was listening to the and Mark Kermode's oh, I review. To it. Um, he reference. It's quite interesting. He references The Shining and Angel Heart, and oh, really? I can't. I can't really remember. I'm not quite sure what he means about Angel Heart. But I guess The Shining, maybe it must be the pacing of it. I guess
0: I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, I was like, oh,
1: okay. I need to maybe have a think about that, how that relates. But I think maybe it's the build, uh, the pacing that's kind of similar to The Shining, maybe in a way. Maybe it's the reality, the fracture reality.
0: I mean, the thing that Tom and I were talking about um, yesterday, um, in particular, was kind of how it's obviously set in the future but it's like a shitty future yeah and i always feel like with i mean i'm not someone that like especially likes Mm sci-fi i don't read a lot of sci-fi fiction ever um i don't tend to watch a lot of sci-fi films yeah you know but it's interesting to kind of think about how this this continual recurrence of this theme of like it's the future but also like it's quite shit and grimy yeah like i know we've talked about this before when we talked about alien about the fact that it's kind of it's the future and stuff's futuristic but also mm. there's this kind of like grimy like shitty element to it Definitely. Um, and there was that vibe in 2049 for sure like the the scenes where um k goes back to his apartment building and it's like a bit run down and the streets are a bit grimy and like la itself is kind of worn and obviously it's, it's, you see that in the original blade runner anyway and the um, kind of
1: the the radioactivity of vegas yeah that orange landscape. It's, it's kind
0: of this imagined future where because i often find that when you think about how um ideas of like what the future will be like is particularly in films and writing it's kind of this you know maybe this utopian ideal society where we're all progressed mm. and everyone's got this amazing um, amazing, amazing level of um, living kind of thing but mm. the reality of that is like it's just not going to be the case there's still going to mm. be the same kind of hierarchical mm. you know the, the, the poor people will still be poor mm. even though it's the future you know that like there's not, there's not going to be this like a mm. mass progression so I, I think it's really interesting that that's kind of like this underpinning kind of those who are set for life. Are set for life, and then there's still those people that are kind of like scrimping and saving, and struggling yeah. on the streets, and having kind of a crappy mm. existence. Even if things, even if there are holograms in the streets, and
1: yeah, you know, there's that huge, uh, just a huge difference between the wealthy. and Absolutely, yeah,
0: which I thought was really, really interesting. I mean, it. I, it's not perfect. Is anything perfect? No, that you think? Um, but I just. I really, really was blown away. I'm going to go and see it again, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because there are elements of it that kind of want to pick apart a little bit further. Um, and maybe in the near future, we can have a mass deep dive into yeah. it. But, um, One, yeah, yeah. I, really, I just thought, I thought Ryan Gosling was very good. I think it's his I'm, best role. I'm massively biased anyway in where he's concerned. So it's in order to get me, get me to give an objective point of view, it's never going to happen. But I just really was impressed. I'd been really sceptical as well. When I heard that he was getting involved, yeah, um, but he was really good. I just thought it was I really. I think he
1: was great. I think it's his best role. I think it will win over a lot of people who maybe weren't like fussed by La no. La Land. And that's or... the
0: thing. I think it's just very emblematic of his talents, really, that he can kind of do this sort of slightly wounded kind of performance. I don't know. I just really liked him. Harrison Ford. Was Harrison great as well. Ford is still fucking rocking it. Should we talk about Harrison Ford? Yeah. Um. Firstly, my my big thing is, do you think that the pitch for him with this film, was you can be in it and you only have to wear jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Like you don't have to worry. You, you can just worry. come straight from home onto set. You just don't have to up. worry about anything.
1: His dishevelled look was... Oh, it's great. We... Oh, God. Um <laughs> just put it out there. He's 75. He's 75. He's 75. And he's so would gorgeous. You? Would you? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. fucking
0: I just feel like... We're I would Harris... absolutely...
1: Have relations with um, a seventy-five-year-old Harrison Ford. To,
0: there's some things I was thinking about when he appeared on the screen. I just, well, firstly, I like the fact that we were just waiting. We knew he was going to come. It's um, you just know when he's going to come. Just like, grabbed your hand, because, like oh, come oh, he comes. Yeah, because because of the stuff that's been in the teasers and the trailers, there's like a very clear like you know what's coming, and we were just like shit. Um, I just remember looking at you being like, oh my god, oh my um, god, so handsome. Firstly, it made me very sad that he, spoiler alert. He's not going to be in um, Star Wars. In I know December. that made me sad because I was like, "God, he was so good." Was I mean, so we've nice had, yeah, we've
1: been back. very lucky. We've had it twice. We've had his arrival in Star Wars, and we had his arrival in. Do you know? Blade I, I still been think. Wonderful.
0: I still think often about when he turned up in Force Awakens. Like, oh, it was such a good moment. It's just such a good moment. <laughs> such you're you're such good. just
1: like, and that was less uh, like you knew it was going to happen, but yeah. you didn't know. Like Harrison that was Ford, more.
0: Ford, he, he's. Re- it was good that he came back as Rick um i can't
1: believe i mean he must have that must have fucked him up so badly on set like he must have just felt awful so you can tell he's frail but also muscular
0: shall we talk about harrison ford just a little bit yeah Um, i read (laughs) the princess diarist um at the end of the summer the carrie fisher um book that was partly put together with her diaries that she um wrote on the set of star wars and I have always had a deep affection for Harrison Ford, in particular... His face. His no. face. And also just young Harrison Ford. Oh my god, he's
1: so handsome. Like Han Solo. In glasses. When he wears glasses. <sighs> um, <laughs> I wish you could have seen what April did then. I just couldn't it, it was her like so
0: someone's right. not... Someone shouldn't be so handsome. He's
1: so ha- He's like... One so of the most it, handsome men to in have ever existed. The
0: Carrie Fisher, dearly departed Carrie Fisher, basically talks about how when she was in London filming Star Wars, the original Star Wars, New Hope, she had an affair with him. And it's one of those things <laughs> that when it came out in the press, I wasn't surprised because you're like, I mean... you, you Of course, you're always, both gorgeous human beings. I don't know if she'd sort of ever... Den- Did she ever deny it or was just never talked about I don't anyway, think it was really she, fully... She, talked, she basically says that, yes, they had an affair. He was married and had a kid at the time, which... Not cool. Full disclosure, bit of a shithead. Bit of a shithead. But... However, if I was in London and I was filming with Harrison Ford and I was in London... you like text a... him back at 2am. Fucking yeah, i text him back at 2am. Harrison, Harrison, you up? Yes, I'm up. Obviously, I've been up waiting for you to fucking text me. Come on. I just, it's too much. Young Harrison Ford is too much. He's so... Yeah. Wesley said the other day on the internet that he thought Harrison Ford was his like film dad and i was like no he could never be film dad no what disturbed me the most which i've already tweeted about
1: is that my colleague actually uttered the words i think i fancy tom hanks more than harrison
0: ford It's the silliest thing i can I've step in heard. here because i have deep affection for young tom hanks as well but not in a sexy way no he's just adorable like you just I'd yeah hang out that's with your uncle right Bi- uncle Bi- uncle tom big level tom hanks yeah like i would hang out with yeah, early Tom Hanks is so good. Yeah, Turner and Hooch, Tom Hanks,
1: great and yeah, great in a nice way. You'd but want like... to hang out. You'd have fun with him. He'd yeah. be a cool guy. But I'm talking. I'm purely based on attractiveness right now.
0: Harrison so I'm Ford. extremely shallow. Yes, I'm up. Extremely,
1: extremely... Sla- yeah, shallow. Yes, I'm up, Harrison. Harrison, we're up. Yes, we're both up right now. You wouldn't
0: even have to wait for the three dots.
1: Slide into my DMs right now. <laughs> I would have typed a response
0: already, ready probably to probably can't send. even use Twitter. He's like, what the fuck is this?
1: So old he can't even work up mobile phone. And yet, I would... Yeah, I would 100% tap that. Um, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Christ. shit. Um, <laughs> let's just move on for that really... Quickly. Jared Leto in Blade Runner. Yep. Um, I still don't like Jared Leto. You're not into it? No.
0: Have you seen... Um, have you ever watched My So-Called Life?
1: I have. But, I mean, that's fine. And Von was saying My So-Called Life era
0: I don't, Jared I just Leto. Think I have this thing for Jordan Catalano. I don't like It'll him. always be Jordan Catalano in my brain. When he won mm. the Oscar, it was, wow, Jordan Catalano has won an oscar. an oscar the thing believe is for it. me is that that was a huge thing for me when i was a teenager yeah. and then also i was like deeply obsessed with Room for a dream which is okay, a film fine. that a yeah. teenager should be obsessed with and yes. Yeah.
1: and yet um I, thought, I just love him a to lot to be honest did shit. you find his performance particular because i've seen a few people tweet actually and say like oh yeah you know I've never been a fan of Jared Leto, but his performance in Blade Runner is really, you know, he really proved himself. I thought it was like the most whatever aspect of it's the whole so film. whatever. I mean, he was fine. Yeah, but know? I mean, he, that was it, right? He, like, t- he there was in any... for
0: probably about 15 minutes. Yeah, it was just fine. Like it was fine. Not far, That was
1: probably the least remarkable part
0: of the entire I don't want to be rude film. or anything, but Jared Leto is not a particularly great actor in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So the reason I like Jared Leto is because he is aesthetically pleasing to my eyes. Yeah, yeah. He's fine. And he was good in Dallas Buyers Club, but then I okay, have a issue yeah. with the fact that he was in even in it in the first place. Yeah. He probably shouldn't have won I the just, Oscar. So.
1: It's fairly unremarkable. Um, Denis Villeneuve, uh, his first choice mm-hmm. for... Is it Niander Wallace?
0: Ny- Nyander. Neander Wallace? Yeah.
1: Mr. Wallace. Ooh. His first choice for that role was David Bowie.
0: Oh, I read that this week and was like so bummed. Yeah. That would have been so sick. Fuck cancer. It's just so annoying. Um,
1: f- oh, I would have died if that had been real
0: i didn't realize at, that with jared leto did you yeah i didn't realize until she appeared on screen actually that robin wright was even in it i know that neither did i surprise. and that was lovely I she's she, great in it she's having a moment yeah again. she's I thought that she went away but she's, she's nice her in that and then her in um wonder woman as well recently yeah robin
1: wright is cool she's as great. shit she's so good she's a badass she yeah she's always she's always great she's great power. in positions of power right she's a cool woman she's very tough and love it um Interesting that it's had a really disappointing box office opening. Has it really? Yeah, weekend opening thirty two million. Oh, it's essentially like it's essentially bombed in what terms else of came money out in the
0: states that this weekend
1: nothing. Um, That's insane. Really? Bearing in mind that it has done Damn. like God knows like you know hundreds of millions. It was thirty two point six million is the projected weekend opening. So after today, um, that in yeah in kind of Hollywood terms means it bombed in comparison to how much it costs oh, that's so weird i, um, I think i realized really weird that, that, that was a thing hmm. i was reading Bummer. something which was kind of discussing it and dissecting it and i can't i didn't make a note of who wrote the article or where it was which is helpful um but they they said they think the primary reason is quote that blade runner hardly means anything to anyone under 40 which is really interesting because for me but maybe it's because I did bloody media studies at A-level when that was like the first film. Like Blade Runner's always been such an important film. And I know that it's something that you found important and, you know, yeah. a lot of people close to me. But then I... I mean, I've always made fun of our friend Jack Reddin for not Never having it. watched Blade Runner. And I've always been like, that's ridiculous. How have you not seen Blade Runner? But then I spoke to Jamie yesterday, who hasn't seen Blade Runner, and Alex, who hasn't seen... And actually more people than I excuse me, realised, have not seen Blade Runner, Tom the original, and, which Tom is Tom really Tom and I were talking strange. about
0: how he wanted to take his dad to see it because Tom's dad's favourite film is Blade Runner. Tom's dad's in his 70s, so that's, like, maybe, Makes sense. I don't know, I just, I always think of I it I thought as it like, was if, more... if, if someone was going to ask me, like, some of my favourite films, Blade Runner, would be in it, so yeah. I find it strange. That... I thought it was of...
1: I don't know, I thought it meant more to a lot of people our age. I thought it was still very... I think the problem is that people, people who like film a lot it's on it. your radar yeah but
0: then people who like, I think
1: I've taken that for granted yeah. I thought it, people were more invested in Blade Runner than maybe they are
0: I think I often think as well I mean I have a real bugbear when someone tells me they haven't seen something and I'm like usually massively outraged if it's something that I think that you should have seen yeah. but then I do that all the time i would be like you haven't seen this oh my god like... I forget sometimes that like my entire life basically is like spent watching films <laughs> and TV so when I, I think my level of outrage isn't really indicative like of like the general population yeah not that I'm saying I'm an exception but I think when if you're like a hardcore film nerd Mm -hmm. like Blade Runner is a bit entry level yeah but then if you're like Joe Public then maybe (laughs) then maybe like (sighs) you know it's not necessarily on your have you seen this old film
1: yeah but it's a bummer though isn't Mm. it a bummer you told me they're making more as well yeah well Twitter apparently I mean don't believe Twitter ever but apparently it's known for it so they've got four more films
0: penciled in Fuck which would be yeah. an atrocity really I, just leave it out. I enjoyed 2049 but I came away Fab, from it just being leave it. like
1: that's it they feel like they go hand in hand perfectly Yeah, they f- it feels like Blade Runner was always intended to have that sequel which is really nice yeah, I thought, but
0: leave it there I thought it was referential enough nice little nods without it being too cringy yeah. in that regard but then when it finished i was like cool i'm happy with that yeah done. I, don't, I wasn't like oh i wonder what happens next i was could like, watch you those back saying. to back lovely yeah. done no more don't do any more please don't do any more denny nope um cool so that's films uh onto tv um just something i'd want to mention in part is um oh. that's how we know to cut that out cut um, steven steven um, so that was movies onto T V. Um something I just wanna mention in passing is um Wet Hot American Summer Ten Years Later. Oh, um, yeah. I am a big fan of the original Wet Hot American Summer film. Mm-hmm. Um cult classic, fan favourite. Um, they did in 2015, Netflix brought it back to yes. life and there was an eight episode prequel which was um, set before the original film um, this summer. There were ten, um, sorry, eight new episodes that were set 10 years after the original. The original itself is set in 1981 and these new episodes were set in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, brings back the original cast as well, starring people like Amy Poehler, um, a whole bunch of other kind of American comedy actors as well Peeps. just heaps of people Peeps. um the only omission as well was bradley cooper wasn't in these new episodes because Too famous of scheduling conflicts no he did the prequels but he wasn't in these new ones um he was replaced by adam scott in a brilliant um plot point as well just kind of basically making fun of the fact that it's really obvious that bradley cooper isn't <laughs> there either. um they were. It was fun. They were fun. I, I. probably didn't need
1: them. No, I wasn't that fun because I watched. I did dip into them actually. I did not think I watched them all. I, didn't I watched need the them.
2: first were... like
0: four when it first came out on Netflix. Yeah. They're fine. They're funny. I mean, you know, I, I, the type of thing I can just kind of put on and not really have to think about a lot. Um, the, I do have great fondness for the original film, mm. so anything that's kind of adjacent, I'll gladly watch. Um, but yeah, we blasted through them, I think, in like a day because they're only like 25 minutes yeah, each. Quite short, super, aren't super they? quick. Um, funny enough to hold my attention. Probably didn't need it. Um, I think the prequel episodes were better. Um, but And I'm just really hoping they don't do more. I did listen to a, a podcast um interview with director David Wayne um who said that if Netflix wanna do more he'll probably do more but Netflix um, don't do more. Please don't, please don't ask just draw more. a line under the sand. Yeah. Um T V wise I'm not really mo- watching a lot other than blasting my way through ER. Yep. Yeah. like on a rock We're on shit. season three now
1: so <laughs> great. Updates. Uh, Provide updates each episode. What uh which uh, each episode of the podcast be like George Clooney
0: swearing. in his mid nineties oh, crime. The yes, best please. um i did start watching the juice though which is um, oh, of course. a new hbo series set in and around times square in new york um in the ni- early 1970s um it's from creator and writer david simon who did the wire and his um kind of frequent collaborator jaw pelicanos um it's the the show itself tells the story of the legalizing and ensuing rise of the porn industry in new york in the your 70s. favorite topic my fave um the title itself is derived from the nickname for 42nd street between 7th and 8th avenue which was it's oh, like yeah, a slight den of iniquity at the time um it's got Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Franco James Franco is good in this and I hate that he is good
1: yeah cuz I thought we'd got to the point when we were all
0: agreed that James Franco I is just a bit of a was on year 3 I think of my James Franco detox yeah um I just had made a real like I'm not going to engage with you anymore you're a, a bit intolerable um yep. and uh, he's really good in it and I hate that he's good. He plays Twins as well. It's like two good performances. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I could watch anything about like 70s New York and yeah. kind of how shitty and grimy it is. Um, It's kind of got that kind of like taxi driver vibe where it's yep. basically kind of looking at how the city at that time was kind of just filmed with crime and just kind of shady goings on just a bit shit really maggie gyllenhaal is exceptional i really love her Um, maggie's great in most things so good i have seen maggie's boobs way too many times already though Uh, oh what like full frontal boobage for like she was naked at one point yeah um because she plays a sex worker of course um so just there's Um, a lot of boobs boobs in it generally speaking um she's very very good though in it um, it's got a great ensemble cast as well um because it's hbo and because it's david simon it does my favorite thing in the world which is where like people from the wire pop up every oh, like, five minutes hi um d'angelo barksdale's already been in it. method man is in it sure um, okay there's just a whole bunch of people that you're like oh you're that guy from frank the guy that plays frank sabotka from the wire oh yeah there's been an episode two i've only seen two episodes at the moment it's airing is it airing weekly? It's airing here on Sky Atlantic. So we're, I want to say, three or four weeks behind the States at this point. Mm. Um, But I'm really enjoying it. Um, It is an hour watch, which is a bit of a slog for me. But um, (laughs) just because I hate and just have my tolerance. It's half an hour just your peak now. Yeah, I've got my attention spans fucked. But really, really enjoying it. Definitely recommend checking it out. I'm definitely going to, I think, at some point soon.
1: I have watched, uh, what have I watched? I've watched Tin Star how was that uh yeah it was pretty good was tin then? star um there were a lot of adverts for tin when star we at went cinema. to the cinema
0: they had this really long annoying extended advert which felt like half an episode i thought weird.
1: it was a car advert and then i was like why is tim roth in a car advert and then realized it wasn't
0: tim roth that's a thing again. tim roth is
1: also a thing he didn't
0: really go away but he's been in twin pigs recently yes so, oh yeah that's the thing tim roth is
1: also a thing yeah. um just thirsty yeah. um so, Tin Star debuted uh, on Sky Atlantic on the 7th of September. It's a 10-part series. Um, I believe it's also now had the green light to have a season two. Sure. Not sure how that will work. Fine. Um, it's about uh, a recently emigrated sheriff um, and his family who moved to a kind of a corrupt mountain town in...
0: Can I just point out the logistics of whether you can actually be a sheriff if you're not American? Is it not like how you can't work for the FBI if you're not American? I don't know, actually. That's just a logistical plot point I'd like to point out, but thank fine. I'll it. look it up. Can we? I'll look it up. It's troubling. Yeah.
1: Um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, fine. That's a good point. Troubleshooting. F8. We'll do it on the correction section next time. I one. Von is just Googling um, it right now. Yeah, Von's Googling it right now. Brilliant. Um. Let me know when you find the answer. Um, so, yeah, Tim Ross plays Jim Worth. He is uh, a sheriff in a corrupt mountain town in Canada. Um, he moves there with his family um, to basically uh, get away from his past, which catches up. With a classic. Him. Yeah. So classic setup up there. Um, he's trying to get away. It's catching up with him and his family and involves them in all kinds of horrible shit. Um and direct quote from the synopsis there it's not um and uh sort of an added uh, spin on this storyline is that he has um Jim has quite a dangerous alter ego so it's a bit Jekyll and Hyde Ooh. so there's there's Jim when he's the sheriff and he's... is it that you wouldn't like him when he's angry yeah except Ooh. I really would um but. <laughs> but when he's had a drink he's essentially an alcoholic when he's had a drink he transforms into a completely completely different person um it's fairly uh it's fairly cliche Mm -hmm. it's it's enjoyable we binged it pretty quickly and you know you can kind of stick another episode on straight away it's pretty good um there's no real plot twists that can't be kind of seen a million miles away Mm -hmm. um there's uh there's a guy in it young guy Whitey, yeah, that's his name. Uh played by Oliver Cooper Smith, who reminds me so much of like Tate in the first season of American Horror Story. Oh really? Yeah. Um he's Oh I've just like googled that. him. He does like. Tate. Yeah, he looks like him and that's he kinda of, yeah, he is kinda of like him. Um there's been uh quite It's definitely had mixed reactions, so a lot of people really enjoyed it. Sure. Um, Some people really haven't, and I think it's the kind of cliche aspect. Um, There was an article in, a review in The Spectator about it um, by uh, James Dellingpole, who basically said, don't watch it. Um, And a quote I pulled out from his review was, uh, Tin Star is almost nothing but cliche and a terrible waste of a talented cast, which, besides Roth, includes the the lubricious lubricious, lubricious? lubricious I
0: don't even know. That's not a word I know. No. On.
1: Yep. Sorry, everyone. Um, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. I literally here about
0: to say to you that she's in it.
1: Playing the sexy spokeswoman for an oil company so dodgy that it employs a sinister bald bloke with an indeterminate, scary accent. Whose job title appears to be head of evil. That's quite. And scary, that's then. actually true. It, yeah, I mean I, that I I can't deny any of that really.
0: Yeah, but sometimes though, do you not think that it's okay to just watch stuff like that? It is. You know? It definitely
1: is. I enjoyed it. It didn't do anything new. No. But it, as a kind of crime esque sort of mystery thriller, it was really good, and it's completely worth it to watch tim ross
0: when it comes to crime stuff i always feel like there's only so many times you can reinvent the wheel well, that's sometimes the whole point in the cliches it's right? why i will gladly watch episodes of s law and order svu yeah which are the same every time because sometimes it's just like you just want to watch something that you can get into exactly. that has, like a bit of like contention in the plot and then you're like oh yeah cool fine yeah
1: and the nice kind of the extra bit is tim ross character who has this really dark side to him and tim roth i mean he's always great he's really good at I it. i love tim roth he think... plays a bad man so well despite first... being about four foot tall
0: he's when i remember the first time i watched rest of War dogs i was like super into him yeah in that film he's great was so really he was pleased he, it i was pleased, when he, I was pleased when he to up see in him twin
1: Peaks. yes me too so he was great in twin Peaks short-lived but great um he's completely worth watching um Vaughan, did you find out about sheriffs
0: so I assume if they're citizens that they can be as long as they're citizens we believe
1: as long as they're citizens they can be a sharer. it's good for clarification yeah so no massive plot hole there cool great thanks Um, the other thing I've been watching which has just started on the 24th of September is Star Trek Discovery so we've had three episodes thus far um, created by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman Um, we've kind of discussed Star Trek Discovery a bit before um, I haven't, I've dipped in and out of, uh, sort of the original Star Treks and the films. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen all the new films. Obviously, I've seen episodes. I've sort of, Wes binged the entirety of Star Trek from the very beginning back to back, uh, He's earlier in the fan. year. He loves it. And I kind of dipped in and out. Sure. Um, so this, uh, this series is, uh, it's a prequel. Um, oh, it is takes it? place a decade before. The original Star Trek and Captain Kirk's five year mission. Yeah. Which I didn't expect.
0: I Um, I think I assumed it would be like after. Yeah, me too. But it's
1: a prequel. Sure. Um, They're on board the USS Discovery, which, as always, explores new worlds. That's the standard. Um, Yeah, standard. Um, The first two episodes um, were interesting. They kind of introduced uh, a lot of characters, some of which I don't think will be featured again, and some of which. I think we'll carry on through. How many episodes um, are there going to be? I don't know, actually. That's a good... I'm not sure. I'm
0: not, I reckon it'll be a long one.
1: Do you think it'll be like a... I don't think it'll be like a 22. I, I reckon know, it'll man. be like
0: 15. For Star Trek, I reckon they'll do it. Yeah. They
1: yeah. have always... Yeah, they have originally. These seasons know. are
0: really long. When when Tom's been like... They're really like the classic
1: them. 22, 24 episode yeah. seasons, aren't they? Yeah. I think it might be a bit shorter, but um, who, don't quote me on that.
0: Who is in it? Um, Our very favourite Jason Isaacs the best i was really hoping you would bring jason isaacs up
1: the best love him um but yeah interestingly jason isaacs is um so he plays captain lawker uh the captain of the uss discovery but he doesn't enter until the third episode so you have two episodes um which kind of establish uh, michael burnham who uh, played by sonequa martin who i think is sort of the main protagonist mm-hmm. um and she's uh, the Federation's first mutineer. Um, so she's established from the very beginning. But yeah, um, I think the USS Discovery as a ship and Captain Lorca don't come in until the third episode. Um, Jason Isaacs, I mean, he's been in it five minutes and he's fucking brilliant. God, I love him. He's brilliant. We had such he... a visceral reaction oh, to
0: that trailer. Christ. Yeah, well, were we watching... Death of Stalin. Oh, the
1: Death of Stalin trailer uh, before Blade, Blade Runner the other day. And we were both just like, yes!
0: Tom and I, I, Tom and I watched the OA. Oh, yes. Full disclosure, we haven't finished it because Tom got fed up. Um, and he was honestly the only reason I was yeah, he's, fucking he's sure. he's he's worth it. It was and him then, and Riz. Yeah. Jason I forgot Riz was... Yeah. Riz is in the OA. Um, yeah, I would gladly watch Jason Isaacs in anything.
1: He's brilliant. And it's kind of... It's really nice because I think... I mean... We can put it in correction section if I'm wrong. But um, I think the captains of, you know, previous ships have bat- been this kind of uh, very much the good guy. Mm-hmm. Very much the oracle. You know, this is the person you you go to. Um, and Jason Isaac's captain just seems completely fucking morally dubious. Like, yes. You know, he's very. Hmm. Um, it's oddly. the th- So the first two episodes were kind of fun, but fine. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. I'm going to carry on watching. The third one was great. Oh, cool. Third one where it's kind of fully established. And when you go on board Discovery is is great. It is really graphic. Oh, really? There's uh, a scene where they enter a spaceship and there's sort of an alien being on board. And oh, my God, the corpses. It's so graphic, which I don't know whether that i'll see how that goes i'm yeah. not sure whether that's necessary because that's never been a thing in star trek no it's weird and i don't think it's necessary
0: star trek really. is so like i, I mean maybe that's it would be an interesting debate to have about whether that's just the fact that but is it necessary no, i know it's we can make not, everything but it's graphic the nowadays get away with on netflix yeah you, know? you like, can make
1: everything as graphic as you want nowadays fine because it's not on, do you need it's to? not
0: mainstream tv it do- so. i don't
1: think it really adds to anything No, it's weird but isn't it? we'll see how that goes um and the other thing, just from my point of view, which I was told off about, is that <laughs> having not watched my Wes, having not watched all of Star Trek, um, I haven't got like a really, yeah, a really in-depth understanding of how it kind of, what it's like, how it runs. Um, I was just quite, I don't know, I was sort of laughing a little bit about how on the nose the kind of social commentary is on it. You know, they're talking about race and the colour of people's skin and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of guffawed a little bit and was like, it's very on the... You know, it's very out there. It's not... um, Yeah. But Wes was like, oh, it's always been like that. You know, Star Trek's always been like Um, that.
0: Okay. Tom did a rewatch not that long ago or was starting a rewatch of Star Trek. And I watched some episodes with him. And that was the thing I took away from it. It was like, Jesus, they're being so like... It's not subtle, is it? No, and I just feel like
1: this is a big We're much all the trimmy. same, Baba yeah. And I guess
0: the whole point—it's
1: a fucking Star tr- it's a fucking ship that goes around exploring new worlds, but not colonizing. in I any guess way, I was going to say colonizing, colonizing. I guess if you
0: think about its origins and the time frame that it initially came up, I suppose that's like interesting i don't know i think it's a big part of the original star trek i'm exceptionally hands off with star trek because yeah my only engagement has been with the new films so i'm not gonna
1: yeah it's really but it's this new series is really good i know
0: that tom's chomping at the bit to watch it so
1: third episode is killer i think you have to hold out a little bit until that third episode i'm fully intrigued now i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be really good um and just fuck you to all the people that are actually bothered in any way that there's too many female characters oh on god board. that was the thing i read about Bore it and I, was just
0: like, I can't believe you're asked about this before. boring fine. boring boring um
1: yeah that's it okay so just quickly before we wrap up uh the things we've been enjoying recently um some books 'Cause we haven't done books in a while. Love books. Love books reading, excellent. Um I've just finished Columbine by Dave Cullen. Ooh. Um yeah, so I've been wanting to read this for ages. I feel like we've been talking about it forever.
0: We've been like yeah, amongst ourselves. I think we've wanted to
1: read it for ages. It's not that easy to get hold of for some random reason. No, one. I
0: th- I feel like it came up for both of us maybe on Goodreads as yep. like a this you might enjoy this. It's which... really highly rated. It's yeah. kind of out there as one of the best kind of
1: um non sort of true crime books out there. Mm-hmm um so yeah finally got it read it uh and it was great i really really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy a book was it a tough read ilk. um it was um it was especially tough uh i had sort of near i had a break when i was in new york so i read sort of half of it and then went away for weeks i thought i probably won't bring a book about columbine on the plane probably wouldn't, no. no um so i had a little break. And then sort of resume reading when I got back and uh, I, at one point, uh, like last week when I was finishing it, um, it was weighing quite heavily on my mind. For some reason, I've been discussing with Wes about it mm. and uh, we were talking about Marilyn Manson sure. and um, we were talking about Hollywood, which is the album that he wrote post Columbine yep. um, when he'd been implicated in uh, the Columbine massacre. And, um, so we'd spent, I'd spent like a day, a Sunday reading the book. We'd sent us the same day driving back from my parents listening to Holywood. And then like the next day or something was the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, and then I was just like, I'm going to have to put this away for a bit. Cause it did suddenly, I felt
0: like I was dreaming about it. It's an incredibly like oppressive topic to, um, spend a lot of time with. When I did my master's and I wrote about, um, Lina Shriver's book We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yes. I did some kind of as part of my research process I did I rewatched bowling for Columbine. Um I was we, obsessed with that. Film. We need to talk about Kevin's obviously <laughs> oh about a teenager who um does a school shooting. Oh no, does he? I oh, don't know he kills his, anyway. It involves a, shoots people, I think he does, he? doesn't he, at school, yeah. So he, a teen does he lose it... family? Yeah, that? he does, yeah. yeah. Spoiler. Um... Oh, God, I'm so sorry. What a spoiler. It came out in, like, the early 2000s. Whoops. Fine. Anyway, I remember doing some research into it, like I said, rewatched Barney for Columbine and just reading quite a lot of, kind of, uh, essays about, you know, the shooting itself and... I mean,
1: it's been, like, ta- it's been analysed and, and I just, reported I mean, on like... to death, really, hasn't Yeah, it?
0: I mean, reading that, kind of, reading the Lionel Shriver book was a bad enough when you're having to think about the idea of that happening but when you actually look at like real world examples of it it's just intense and Columbine in particular I remember when it happened I remember everything Mm. that kind of came out in the press afterwards I remember all of the furore around Marilyn Manson and all of that stuff and then obviously I remember watching Bonnie for Columbine and um one of my favorite Manson based things ever is that Um, sequence in Bowling for Columbine it's great when Michael Moore goes and interviews him about um, the effect that the shooting and and the kind of press um outrage had had on him in particular and has has his career and it's just like you listen to him talk about it and it's such such sage words and it's just I remember being in hilarious I remember being in my media studies
1: group and we watched Bowling for Columbine and I'd already seen it like because I was a weird person i think i was really Um, yeah i was really into it in a weird way um of course because it had marilyn manson in it and i remember my media teacher saying like in the class as a teacher who has no interest in that sort of thing whatsoever saying like marilyn manson was the person who spoke the most sense and i remember as a teenager being
0: like oh my god i think i remember great i think there's a citation in my uh master's thesis where i think i either make reference to marilyn manson having the best opinion about the shooting in context of that film Mm -hmm. I think I managed to strong arm it in just Mm -hmm. on the basis that like yes he speaks Mm -hmm. solidly about it but yeah I mean as a topic it's incredibly it's just intense to think about so I can only imagine like what the experience of reading said book yeah it was
1: it is intense and it's it's intense because it really approaches um the whole uh that it's it kind of chronicles the leading up to the event so Mm -hmm. this was planned for like and talked about between the boys for a few years Mm -hmm. so it was a really long up long run up to it um it then obviously details the shootings and then it details the aftermath and it very much focuses on a lot of the individual students and teachers who were involved Mm -hmm. and the families and what happened to them um and I think obviously so much is focused on dylan and eric as the killers not much is given to the victims and the people who survived um so that was you know a really a positive take in that it had you know it gave their voices a platform but it was also you know quite difficult yeah i mean i
0: always feel like when we talk about like true crime because obviously, I guess this is true crime, isn't it? When you talk about those types of things, um, I always feel like there's this weird level of romanticizing about the people, the perpetrators. Yeah. And actually, I think always the best accounts are almost the ones that give voice and mm. do focus more on the victims and like mm. the impact and everything like that. Because that really that's the important side yeah. of it, you know. Like it's I understand that people want to know the mechanics of the hows and the whys that people act out in this way, but almost I feel like it's. I feel like if you're going to try and approach it,
1: yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter in the end, really, does it? But yeah. it, I mean, it was. It's really interesting because, in terms of sort of myth busting as well, because it's amazing just how much the media have got it wrong. And even in since the shootings and there, the media's portrayal of the killers was just so completely incorrect. And even my. What I thought I knew about them from watching things like Bowling for Columbine mm-hmm. and reading articles, I didn't actually know yeah. the truth about them at all about who they were. The fact that you know, it's they're they're sort of played out as the stereotypical like loser kids, yeah. like you know, kids who were bullied at school, yeah. um, and that wasn't true at all. Mm-hmm. Like Eric, like one of the kids was really popular, mm-hmm. like had like girlfriends, saw older women, mm-hmm. like you know was played sports was a really popular guy mm-hmm. um and the other guy i think he wasn't popular in that way but he was you know his problem was that he was he was a depressive yeah but they weren't losers they weren't any of the kind of the things that have been made out to be, they didn't have troubled home lives
0: at all. It's interesting when you get to the stereotypes of people. None that None of act those stereotypes like actually play out. No, I think that's been. I don't want to talk about Las Vegas in any length, really. But it is interesting when you look at the way that the media depicts, sort of, especially mass shootings mm. like that. It's really, you know, what the causation is. What the you know, mm. it, you do wonder, like, actually, what what's the real picture that's yeah. kind of being followed a bit so it's really interesting to it's a really it's definitely it almost feels like it's a little bit of an unpacking of yeah, the myth behind yeah
1: it. it is yeah it was really sort of it, from that point of view it was really interesting to read because it wasn't a rehash of sort of old information
0: no and I think when it's a, when it's something that did happen a while ago now you know that that's the danger isn't it that it's just going to kind of be a bit of a rehashing of the story mm. that we've heard a thousand times before but it's kind of you know so it's nice to hear that actually mm. it did give kind of a new interesting, enlightening mm. take on it, really. Um, I definitely want to try and give it a read. Or yeah,
1: I'll lend it to you. I mean, even just quickly, even in the context of um, you know, we still, you know, we experience school shootings, or in America they experience a lot of school shootings. Um, but, you know, in my head it was like Columbine was the first big one. It obviously mm. wasn't the first, but it was sort of the big media-heavy one. Mm. And then, you know, there's been lots of copycats since. Yeah. Um, and actually... Even things like it, the number of school shootings actually went down after Columbine, yeah. which is not a thing I would have.
0: No, I wouldn't. Have I don't know that, that. At all. like no. that. You'd, you'd almost, I assume they rocketed up. You'd almost anticipate that because of the prominence in the media. Well, that's what everyone thinks. Is, is they're all copycats, go up. aren't yeah, they? Yeah, you think that but it they're would not. go up?
1: Yeah, so it's. Yeah, I won't go into it much more, but it's. I, yeah, I really recommend I'd, if you're if you've got the stomach for that sort of thing. It's not graphic, really, but you know it's it's, it's not a, it's a really emotional read. yeah it's a difficult subject it's really not for everyone is mm. it so um but i yeah i'd really recommend it
0: um just completely at the other end of the spectrum um just on the book front I'd, um, i've been kind of plowing my way through a bunch of adult stuff that um i probably could talk about but um have not written down but one thing that i would like to point out is that i read a book recently called moxie by jennifer matthew oh lovely i think that's how you pronounce it. i have not surname. heard of it um it's a relatively new book i think it was only published at the end of september here oh, okay. um it's i i read it because um for work related reasons really it's part of the zoella book club series. zoella oh blimey i know cringe but uh, the reason i didn't I... know zoella had a book club she does it's apparently she does go yeah. to youtube anyway um i read it because it um i had a quote on the front from amy polar who's one of my favorite comedians mm. but also because the back of the book on, on the blurb it, it it just spoke to me because it's about a girl who makes zines and is inspired by riot girl okay um so i thought i'd give it a try and it's a really nice book it's kind of one of the new rise of like feminist ya yeah. books um for me, it was just like pure pleasure to read, mostly because it just mentions a whole bunch of things I like. I love like, it when it references oh when books or, or any if any pop culture references other pop culture. I'd it, love it so it, much. Each thing that would come up just absolutely destroyed me. So the girl um, in the book, Vivian, is inspired. Um, she lives in uh, Texas. Her it's kind of like a small town school um her mum was involved in the riot girl movement in portland in the 90s but moves back to texas after the death of her partner who was vivian's dad so she's sort of kind of gone from being this empowered kind of feminist Mm. person and she's sort of now living in a small town texas but vivian's inspired by her mum's past and a box of things that her mum has Mm. um to make some zines to kind of basically like protest against all the misogyny and kind of like horrible things that are going on in her high school um it mentions bikini kill um youth just a whole bunch of l7 just all these like amazing kind of 90s right girly kind of feminist stuff um and i definitely would recommend anyone reads it if they're in any way that inclined i don't know i just from a work point of view for me it's brilliant when you get loads of new books that are kind of have a feminist yeah, twist on it without yeah, being too janky there because there has been a kind of wave um a publishing trend of mm. that that's that way inclined some of them are better than others and yeah, this one's definitely imagine. worth seeking out so excellent cool um just on the podcast front as always we'd like to shout out our pals lady pod squad um check out that hashtag if you want to find some new female frantic um, podcasts, however, um, very exciting news that one of my favorite people, um, Sean Sheehy. Hello, Sean Sheehy. Hello Sean Sheehy. Um, has launched his own podcast. Yay. Um, the first episode, um, is online, I think. Um, it's called Culture Fear. Um, it's people talking about music and their experiences in or of culture um the first episode is with um katie flynn of the winter passing um and you can find it online i think i've probably or will probably link to it on social media um once the link's up i'll post it on twitter and stuff but i think um, his handle everywhere is at culture fear um really really pleased that sean's kind of uh decided to go ahead with doing a podcast he's brilliant you'll love him listening to him talk he's what pro- a cheeky chappy pro- what a cheeky chapper he has a proper geezer um i like to danny dyer he reminds me of mike skinner <laughs> from the streets but i, <laughs> but I once yeah. told him that and he said he'd never listened to the streets in his life what i know that's a whole other podcast. Just shock silence. I, I don't know. even know what to say.
1: God, wow! Well, now you
0: have got a music podcast, mate. You're gonna have to. No excuse. And so um, I'm gonna bully him, him into doing a crossover episode uh, with yeah, us. Yeah, brilliant. At some point, I down think the it'll phone. Be well, fun. So definitely check out Culture Fair um, across Twitter, Instagram, and they're on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. Um, We decided not to do a topic, really, this week, mostly because I think I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about your holiday. Thanks. (laughs) Also, we just had so much to... I feel like, yeah, we had so much to catch up on because we Um, haven't done it in a while. But you should talk about your holiday, not from a braggy POV. So I can't talk about,
1: like... The nice tourist spots I went to. Oh, you
0: can do that, but just not in like a, you know, braggadocious way. Anyway. Why? Because I went on a holiday when you were here. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> you were in my favourite city and I was at work. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. Um so Yeah, so you went to New York. I went to New York. I went to the Big Apple.
1: The Big Apple. The Big Apple, I did. I went for a week with Wesley Brown. Um, first in... trip? Yeah, New... my first ever trip to New York. So I've been, uh, I've done some of the West Coast. I've done uh, San Diego, L.A., Vegas, San Francisco. Sure. But I have not done New York before. And it's a bit of a cultural, just, God, hotspot, isn't it?
0: I thought one Pop was... culture galore, mate. I, for one, was exceptionally excited when you said you were going to be going.
1: April and Tom were very, very helpful because... They just gave me all the best recommendations, at, especially food-wise. So, as vegetarians, it was like you know, oh, we need to find some good places to eat. And they just—I didn't even have to research. They just gave me this massive list of amazing places. I basically, we just tick them off as we went around. I basically around.
0: just go to New York to eat food. It's now so. At this
1: point. G- my, most of my days, journey like we were there for a week and every day was just dictated by like, so we go to this area, but cause that means we can have lunch
0: here. 100%. Yeah. It was great. I mean, also what's frustrating for me as well. So I'm vegan and, um, I think I've been vegan for every time I've been to New York apart from maybe two, twice maybe. Okay. But you went to a whole bunch of places that I never got to eat at. Um, well you went, you went to Two Boots, right? Yeah. Pizza, yeah. Two Boots. You know that book moods? I read recently, Meet Me by the, Meet Me in the Bathroom? Yeah. That's like that was a big hangout for was other people. Was it fans. See, yeah.
1: oh, the, see this is the great thing is The that Strokes were super there's, into two bits, so, Really? I think. Yeah. There's so many um places that are referenced in books and films and T
0: V shows that I love that I now actually understand. Do you think it gives you new context? It gives me so much My new favorite context. My favourite thing in the entire world now is whenever I read anything. I mean I've been incredibly fortunate in in life to been to new york multiple times mostly because it is my favorite city but just because you know that's I've just been very fortunate so um but one of my favorite things now is whenever I read a book or I f- watch a film or listen to a song and they make reference I like have this level now of being able to go like oh I know where that is I know where that is oh, so I know exactly where that is I
1: understand um, uh avenues and
0: yeah but also the, the best thing as well is the, the first sort of couple of times I ever went it was just this one big geek out of like oh my god this place is in that and oh my god yeah I definitely did that. a lot
1: of like here's David Bowie's uh, apartment here's where this person the
0: first time i ever went was with my mum, and i basically and uh, paisley and her mum, and i basically dragged them all to like places that were referred so we're to the hotel chelsea yeah. and <clears throat> yeah which was, was covered in scaffolding thank you i feel like it was in covered in scaffolding so when we annoyed went. but yeah tell me one some street the room... one
1: building on the street that was covered in ca- was scaffolding. Such a nice building, hotel well. chelsea
0: um so please tell me about some of your favorite things you did and saw and what did you watch on the plane Oh, God.
1: So, I hate planes. Uh, Yeah, flying's just... It's not cool. It's not good. No. Um, But planes are evolving. The food, apparently, is not evolving at all. And it's still shite.
0: I always feel like plane food is like space food. Oh,
1: it's so rank. It must be. I feel so sorry for astronauts. It's just... They just can't get cheese right, man. No. Um, And vegan options just weren't even... Did you get curry? Um, No, I got cheese pasta there and back different types of cheese pasta Ooh. one was like a cannelloni and one was a ravioli but um, why are
0: we talking about pasta when um, we when we've flown on the plane we usually get curry or like a generic rice dish
1: i would love to have had a curry that would have been that would have spiced up my journey <laughs> lovely
0: literally um
1: what did i watch so i think general rule for planes is that well, usually, you know, I pick films that I wouldn't pay money
0: to see at the cinema. That's my rule for playing yes. films is you could watch the trash you would never pay to see in the cinema, but you're in the air. You're stuck in this metal thing that's flying through the air, so yeah. you should probably try and watch like a shit film to I was surprised that you could watch time. like
1: Alien Covenant.
0: I was like, is that not a bit gory for my, like the person next to you? I remember I can't remember what film it was, but I remember once being on a plane and there was some film that was like particularly graphic in terms of like either violence or sex. I can't remember which it was. but I I remember just being like leaning out and looking at someone's screen and just being like that's Ooh, full on like okay yeah that's weird so and also
1: the number of films that or TV shows that are put on that reference plane crashes is fucking right so the first thing I watched was The Mummy the new Mummy with Tom Cruise which begins
0: with a plane crash. Um, I think the last time that we flew was around the time that that movie Flight with Denzel Washington came. <laughs> out. Why would you... Out. I mean, it says it in the name. I don't... And the whole point of that is that he gets drunk while he's flying, doesn't he? And then, like, nearly crashes a plane, but doesn't. And Do you like, think
1: they ever played, like, Snakes on a Plane when it came out? I fucking out.
0: hope so. I would
1: have lo- I would have watched that on a plane. I would have watched that on a plane. That would have been cool. I, yeah, so I watched The Mummy. That sure. was shit. How was that was rubbish? No. Yeah, that was complete rubbish.
0: I would only watch that film because it stars Jake Johnson who is from New Girl, and yeah. he's also a good actor. And he would have been the only reason I would have watched it. It was tosh. It was rubbish. <laughs> so sure. I don't need... Uh,
1: yeah, done that. Good, Great. Fine. Um, And then I watched about five episodes back-to-back back of Big Little Lies good. because you've watched it I recommended it. it. I enjoyed it very, very much. Good. Alex Skarsgård, hello. Um, And then on the way back, I watched... Randomly, on the way back, I actually did decide to watch something a bit more serious. I watched My Cousin Rachel. Oh did you? you Yes with Rachel Weiss? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was really good. It was good. It it's was not good. like outstanding, no. but it was it was good. With um, yes. Sam Claflin? Yes. Sure. So Local boy. That, was, that was that was cool. I was I don't know why I decided to watch that. I just it, yeah, I did. I quite
0: want to see it, but probably would never have paid to see it at the cinema.
1: No, exactly. So that was that great, was actually quite good. And then shot. I watched. I tried Bob's Burgers, and I'm not into Bob's bur- Bob, okay. Bob's Burgers we'll at move all. move on because I like it. Wesley watched The Mummy and Pirates of the Caribbean. He did it, and Guardians of the Galaxy too. So he went in for all the blockbusters.
0: How did he find Guardians too?
1: Um, I think he found it fine. Yeah, he hasn't raved about it since, so clearly not that good. But um, yeah, he definitely thought The Mummy was shit. <laughs>
0: Which is uh, considering he's a fan of the I Mummy, mean, as I yeah, recall. and Pirates of
1: the Caribbean. He it was almost like he was surprised that it was going to be shit. <laughs> Wait, this is actually shit. This is rubbish. Sure. Um, so yeah, so plain plain movies are the best. I'm glad
0: you utilized your it. Plain was very good. Time, um,
1: also, when we were there, actually, we watched uh, like near the end. So one of the I think it was like the second to last night. We watched Glory Days on Netflix, which is um, high American Netflix. Uh, it's pretty good.
0: It's great, um, isn't it? Yeah, it has lots of extra Have, stuff. Do you find that UK Netflix now just massively sucks? Yeah, it wasn't. As, yeah,
1: I mean, we had we had a fair amount of stuff, but yeah, there's a lot missing that American Netflix has got. Um, but we watched Glory Days, which is the new documentary, newish documentary about Michael A. Uh, Michael A. League. Sure. Uh, and the Club Kids in the 90s um, and what happened to Michael A. And it kind of details his. Um, the story that everyone's heard about the rise of the club kids and Michael Eilig murdering someone, uh, boasting to it, being found out, arrested and imprisoned. Sure. But it also detailed him being released from prison, which was quite interesting. But funnily enough, it had a lot of build up about New York and the New York club scene mm-hmm. and various venues and various areas. And mm-hmm. it was like, hey, we're here right now. And I know where all these places are because I've been oh, here for five that. days. So I do have this was weird, weird
0: like, thing about either watching or reading New York stuff when I'm in New York it's like this weird level of comfort it was yeah it was done it before Tom and I when we um went to New York a few years ago and we stayed with our friends Nate and Jasmine we watched this um, documentary called Dark Days. Oh yes, I remember you one we were telling to you about, me. which is about people that lived in the Lincoln Tunnel, but homeless people, and it was kind of weird to just be like, oh shit, like we're here and this is like happening. I'm sort
1: right of glad now. that I didn't, but I do want to watch that. I'm glad it's I didn't watch it at the time. Watching. It probably would have creeped but me yeah, out. Yeah, I always but... end
0: up reading like New York books, when I'm in New York, not necessarily intentionally, but I'll just be like, oh, this is weird matching mm. up.
1: And we made I made Wes go to like strawberry fields and go to the Dakota where John Lennon was shot, and he was like, "You literally don't care about the Beatles or John Lennon? I don't what care. are you?"
0: I was like, "Well, I have to go." I don't care about the Beatles at all. I'm really sorry, but we've definitely been to because you have to do it. You have to. There are some like cultural bastions in like locations. But no, in I York. don't you care about John go. Lennon, but Yoko yeah, no, Ono okay, lives over there. Like, I don't. I mean, I, okay, admittedly, I did like Gossip Girl a lot when it was first out. But, like, the the steps of the Metropolitan Museum, to mm. me, would always be where Blair Waldorf eats her lunch. Yes, that's exactly. it's like, spotted. That's that's the Gossip Girl reference. It was,
1: yeah, it was lovely. It was great. It was great to, yeah,
0: put I mean,
1: a... I was going to say put a name to the... A face to the name, but that's, you know what I mean. No, but it's kind nice, sort of nice, like like that. But
0: that's the thing for me, is that, like, you would see things... I would know, I would walk around and be like, oh, that's the place from there. Like, we went to, um, I don't eat meat, obviously, but we, like, we've been past Cat's Deli from, like, when Harry met Son Yeah. And, and, like, Tom and I, the last time we were in New York, went all the way up to where um, Tom's Diner from Seinfeld is. Yeah. And, like, went in. And it's just, you know. Could you eat anything? No. I think we got coffee and then left. That's cool. Just because we've you got, paid, I assume. Yeah, we've got like cringe coffee and ran away. No, we've got cringy pictures outside. Yeah, you know, just because you have you to. you got do it. it. You got to we do it. We went to see the um, the Tenenbaums' house. Yeah, the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Like we went all the way up there to do that. Like you just have to. I don't know. That's one of the, my favorite things about the city itself. Also, because when you think about books and movies and TV shows as well, um, that the city is always positioned as its own character mm-hmm. in a way. Very much so. Um, like we went to Coney Island. That's such a requiem for a dream. Yeah. Yeah. To me. Um, so it's I don't know. It's just something really cool about it because yeah. it does feel like the first time I ever went, it felt like I was in a movie. Mm. Like when you're wandering around, it does. There's this surreal element because you almost like feel like you know. You spent
1: your whole life. Yeah, hearing and seeing and reading about it, and then it's yeah. You're this in weird, it. like hyper
0: reality. Cool. It's kind of like it feels yeah. like you're on a movie set because you've seen so. Because, like, a city like that, you end up seeing so much of it on screen mm. or reading about it in books and stuff like that that you, it does feel this, like, wow, it's actually real. Like, yeah, actually here. exactly.
1: It was so cool. And yes. also, I got to see Harry Styles' name on the Rock uh, City Hall, those whatever Those pictures were so good. We tweeted those. Block traffic just to take a picture of a fucking I sign love... that said Harry Styles on it. I just love it. that you did that. Wes was just like, who are you anymore? I don't know. Uh, a Harry Styles fan. That's Obviously. Oh, they... but it was lovely it was great i'm gonna go back obviously um, and yeah we can talk about it again when i've been on holiday again
0: let's just oh, let's just go maybe we should do a podcast holiday. can we go on holiday to do a podcast be business expense it? yes
1: who's who are we charging it to
0: i don't know ourselves tom right tom, tom could tom's know. not
1: here to vote let's vote tom is paying for our holiday paying for a holiday cool. pod, pod holiday excellent
0: um, so obsession of the week. Obsession of the week. You want a jingle? I really
1: want a jingle. So can someone make a jingle for obsession of the week?
0: We're not saying that we can't really give you anything in exchange, except our eternal gratitude.
1: And it will be on the podcast. And it will be on
0: the podcast for some people to download. Yes, we can. Um, cri- some people. Some. A few some people. A few people to download. And um, what's your obsession of the week?
1: Um, probably Harrison Ford,
0: just being a seventy-five-year-old
1: granddad, babe. I think, like I just—that's pretty much it, really, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I've been waning about my obs- my my obsession of the week is just sort of ongoing from the last episode. Really, I'm still on a. a, a, a... What was your obsession of the week last? My obsession of the week last week last time was Daniel Kessler from Interpol. Um, is it still it's still Daniel Kessler from Interpol? But also having seen the national twice in, um, a week. It's also very much Matt Berninger from the National. Yeah. He's Why just... is our obsession of the week always boys? I don't know. Why do I call them boys and not men? That Matt Berninger is like a, such a dad. He's literally in his
1: 40s. <laughs> so our obsession of the week is dads and granddads. It really is, isn't it? Sad dads.
0: Sad dads? Sad dads. The National And muscular granddads.
1: Dad. Oh, god
0: yeah it's not it's burning uh, also
1: national i national bought national. A, a nice jumper and i Ooh, really like mine the jumper. also
0: because i keep telling everyone about it is that glimmer veil cat oh my god lipstick you brought back from new york for me yeah we
1: we stocked up on the Kat von d and the glimmer veil lipstick is
0: fucking unreal it's just it shouldn't be as good as it it's is really good we need an excuse to go out so we can all wear them together i'm very excited i'm going to a wedding uh in a couple of weeks time and I'm definitely you've got to wear that. You have got to rock the pink lemonade. It's literally bell. Barbie pink. It's so good. What color did you get? A red. Amazing. What color did Ashley get? Uh,
1: like a rusty color, Ooh. sort of orangey red. Ooh, copper. it's very
0: nice. No one opted for the purple or blue. A little bit too much. No, that's a bit too much. So basically, it's lipstick and sad dads and granddads.
1: Yeah, and jumpers and jumpers. Great. So that's that's yeah, that's pretty much our whole life actually. Um, kill. Cool.
0: Cool. Well, that's it from us. Uh, you can find us online, as we said at the beginning Twitter at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash thirst pod. You can search for us on Instagram as well at the thirst. Um, you can find us on iTunes the thirst as well. And uh, if you want to give us an email, you can send us one to thethirstpod at gmail.com. Uh, the bye. Pod. Bye.
1: Everything's on silent. Everything's on silent. Von is on silent. Von are you on silent? Von are you on silent? Von
0: can be in the background. Yeah. She's, she'll be like us. We can be like,
1: hello, we have a Von's our Stephen. Von's our Stephen! Oh my god! Stephen! Cut, Cut that, that out. Cut that out, Stephen.
2: Stephen! Stephen! <laughs>